Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Silmarillion Film Project. This is session number 19 in season six. Uh, and I am joined tonight. Dave, uh, unfortunately, couldn't be with us, which is why I'm clumsily doing the intro myself. Um, I am joined by Marie Prosser. Uh, and, uh, oh, looks like Nick Palazzo is just coming in here. So here we go. He's was a little bit delayed this evening, but glad he's joined us. And we have a special guest tonight, Katrin from Switzerland, who I should say is heroically joining us at like 4.30 in the morning uh, over there in Switzerland. Katrin, thanks so much for, for joining us. Hi there. A long time listener, first time caller, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> for yes. The obvious yes. time for reasons. Yeah, Katrin has been a, 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 a listener and participant uh, in the Film Film Project uh, on our discussion boards for for, uh, for several years now. Um, uh, Katrin is uh, a, an artist who has done uh, several different pieces for us and thinking through uh, some of our previous art commissions in previous years. And today um, is our art commissioning show. So we're going to be thinking through the visual look of uh season six there's nick palazzo welcome nick glad you could make it um so uh so yeah so we're, we're going to be looking at a bunch of different topics thinking about uh the the visuals and how we want to do um so uh so we're not doing we're not going to be showing uh too much in the way of art um the idea here you may remember uh, uh our regular listeners may recall that we did uh the music commissioning uh show a, a few weeks back with philip menzies we were kind of going through different different characters different scenes different ideas and concepts and things that we're going to want to um think about how um you know that's going to be represented in the in the music uh, of the show. And so similarly today, we're going to be going through a bunch of different things, thinking about the visuals, what they're going to look like. And here um, we have a kind of a broader invitation. Um, let me just jump ahead here since I'm already talking about it to the art commissioning slide. Um, a, a broader invitation to anyone who is listening and who would like to take a stab at things, who would like to um, uh, produce art. Um, we have a bunch of people who have been enjoying listening to this broadcast, thinking through with us, you know, coming along with us on this project uh, to imagine our way into an adaptation of the Silmarillion and who have produced pictures, sometimes their costumes, sometimes their, uh, uh, you know, uh, like landscapes and locations or props. We've had people actually create uh, props and sculptures and things like that, trying to, to capture the idea uh, that we're, uh, you, know, of, you know, various things, whether it be, um, you know, props or creatures or whatever. So um, this is the this is the day in which we're going to we're going to try to go fairly systematically. Um, of course, we won't hit on every possible topic or idea, um, but we're going to we're going to talk about all these things uh, and then invite folks to jump in and actually produce art. But um, let me go back because I skipped my announcements and I don't want to skip my announcements because this week is the last week of Signum's annual fundraising campaign, which is a big deal. Uh, we've had a wonderful fundraising campaign so far uh, and a, a great uh, a, a bunch of contributions uh, to our annual fund which is so exciting um, and this week you know this time in the annual fundraising campaign despite the fact that Signum University is a nonprofit university which um, 
really couldn't exist without the generosity of our supporters. I don't like to spend every week begging for money. So our annual fundraising campaign <laughs> is the time of the year uh, when we both, uh, you know, I, I sort of talk about this and celebrate uh, the support from our community. The finale of that is happening this weekend on Saturday, November 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, we're going to be having our finale event. I'm going to start it with my State of the University address, where I'm going to be talking about all the stuff that's happened over this past year, the things that we have planned that are going to be coming up this coming year, kind of putting that into the context of the uh, the sort of the vision of the university, what we're doing and where we're heading. Uh, it's always a, 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 a big event. The State of the University address is something I look forward to every year. And then we're going to have a bunch of different update sessions and fun things happening and games and prizes and all kinds of things. Um, we're going to have a major update from the Signum University Press. We're going to have um, some little sample mini classes from our space program that folks can uh, can see and participate in. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be great fun. So that's all starting at 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, November 19th. We'll go until, I don't know, 9, 10 p.m., something like that. Um, I'm stopping early this year. Um, uh, so uh, anyway, that'll be, um, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be great fun. And then we do have regional moot coming up, Ozmoot in Brisbane, Australia. So excited about that. The end of January. Um, uh, excited to be headed down to Australia in midsummer there in January. So um, anyway, that's going to be that's going to be great fun, too. Uh, we are finished with our fall moot season and uh, Ozmoot is going to be a great, a really fun way to kick off the uh, the, the the spring, the spring season. So um, anyway, OK, so I want to do. Hmm. Let's do it at the beginning before I forget. I want to do I want to do a drawing to thank folks, uh, our live attendees, uh, for coming. So because I've, I've been doing this during all my broadcasts this week, um, and we have a very special prize to give away today, which is a, uh, a a a token for our space program. So this is a token. It's a hundred and fifty dollar value. Um, this token is usable for one month course uh, in uh, in our space program. Any course that you would want, it doesn't expire, uh, so you can use it any time you want. You can go to signumuniversity.org slash space uh, in order to, um, in order to uh, you know, see the upcoming courses that we have and everything. So here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to, in the, um, in the Twitch chat, um, so we're going to do this in Twitch because the majority of our listeners are on Twitch here this evening. Um, so I'm going to open up a giveaway here in Twitch. And there we go. Now I'm going to open a giveaway. The Twitch chat has a, has a very convenient little built-in giveaway function that I'm going to use. That way I don't have to roll my dice and count things. Uh, so that's, it's handy to have Moobot do this for me here. So, yeah. So what you have to do is just as those of you who are in Twitch uh, chat can see, add uh, your name to the raffle by typing exclamation point raffle. And then we will do a drawing um, uh, when folks have had a chance to do that. So we're going to start the discussion and then I'm going to remember to go back and uh, uh, close the drawing and do the drawing. All right. 
Okay, so that's what's going to happen. We get the whole map this week because we're looking, we're looking over, we're looking over everything here. Okay. Um, and yes, so I, and back to the art commissioning, back to actually what we're talking about here tonight. And a reminder that I'm noticing at the end of the slide that I forgot to say before, we are going to do another session at the end of season six. When we finish discussing our way through the whole season, we'll come back and we will talk about, uh, uh, look at some of the artwork that people have produced and, um, and kind of uh, talk our way through that. So that will be. That will be fun. All right. So let's talk about visual topics. So we're starting with costumes here. Um, And we should, of course, shockingly, begin thinking about Baron and Luthien, right? These are these are our our major, but not our only uh, thing, uh, 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 characters we want to focus on. But we definitely um, we definitely do want to uh, want to focus on them. So. How are we doing? So Baron is going to be pretty ragged at the beginning, right? I mean, we will have had Baron's costume from last year when he's, you know, uh, one of the outlaws, right? Right, right. So the reason costumes are first on the list is because I made the list. Um, <laughs> but the <laughs> And therefore idea, costumes are the most important thing? Yeah. So, I thought yeah. so. <laughs> right. Um, but the general idea is that Baron and the rest of Bear Here's Band were living in Dorthonian up until the very end of last season as regular people living in Dorthonian. And then the battle happens. So the in the aftermath of the battle, they become outlaws, but they haven't lived through the life of being outlaws yet in season five. So in season six, we're meeting them after they've been on their own in this little group for years. Yes. Yes. Right. So that's the, the shift and the transition into the people of Ladras to the outlaws of Dorthonian. Right. Right. So Baron's, um, Baron's costuming was not in the best of shapes before his journey towards, (laughs) towards, uh, uh, Doriath is what we're saying. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So that's, um, uh, that's, uh, so how ragged do we want him to be, by the way, when he when he lands like rags, like literally rags are his clothes hanging off him? Uh, and if so, to what extent? Like, because I mean, and, and it's part like also how injured do we want him to be? I mean, how um, do we really want him to come staggering and collapsing into Doriath looking like, you know, someone on the verge of death and someone who's just been, you know, uh like, or do we just want him to look kind of beat up? What's our what's our sort of threshold here? Well, we do need him to collapse, so to like fall down and pass out. So he at least has to be completely exhausted at the end of his strength, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, I don't think we want the audience to think he's in danger of death at that point. Like, we're not supposed to be worried if he's going to survive to the next episode. Right. Like once he makes it through the girdle, we're like, oh, he made it. So, so not so much blood is what you're saying. It's, right. it's, it's, it's not like he's coming in staggering with multiple. Right. Uh, and he has just escaped several fights with giant right. spiders. So he, he may have some wounds and injuries. But even if we're worried about him, we're not worried right. that he's going to die. 
You're right. Yeah. So we're not showing him bleeding out here or something like right. that. So, okay. He'll do that. Battered. Right? Yeah. 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 Like, like probably the state of, uh, you know, the cast of Walking Dead, not the actual Walking Dead people, right? <laughs> I was going to say, the it's main not a high cast. standard there. Nick. No, 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 the main <laughs> cast, right? Okay, okay, Who, okay. They, you know, they, uh, which, by the way, Barry McCree did the music for that as well, by the way. Right. If you, it was, uh, it's on his <laughs> list of, of things. I, I been rewatching it recently and I keep seeing his name pop up. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, probably some some evidence of a, of a lack of hygiene over uh, over a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always bothered when shows and movies show people show like ancient or medieval peoples as just completely unwashed all the time. Which right. of course nobody was ever like that. <laughs> right. You would like disease would kill those people off. Right. But a guy who's been traveling in the woods um, in mortal danger for a significant period of time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And he's. When does he get a costume change? Right. So there's the question. Well, that's the thing is the question is, does Luthien provide him with any clothing in that year? Yeah, that's my first question. Because it, it is a while. And, and yes. depending on how ragged he is, I mean, again, if his clothes are literally hanging off him, it's kind of, I mean, you'd think she would. And it's going to get cold. Yeah. I mean, like seasons yeah. are going to change. Right. But the real question is, what do we want him to look like when he walks into Thingol's court? Yes. Because if Luthien has put clothes on him, he's going to look like an elf of Doriath. You know, cleaned up, nice stuff, walking in next to Thingol's daughter. Or he's still wearing his raggedy outlaw gear, in which case he looks completely out of place there. So it's more the dynamic of how do you want that scene to play out? That's how you choose whether or not he got a new costume. Yeah. That's... Um, but he definitely ex- can get new clothes in Argothrond. Definitely in Argothrond, I agree. But that that was exactly what I was kind of building up to myself, is that that does seem to be the crux. I mean, and also, I have to say, it it tells me something about the dynamics between Baron and Luthien, and also maybe something about Luthien's character um, in a couple different ways, potentially. Like, if she doesn't notice and doesn't care, <laughs> you know, like, oh, you're, you're dressed in rags, but that's all right. You know, I don't... Uh, um, I don't like you for your fashion sense, so I'm not bothered right. and therefore don't am not going to even think of it. Again, I would think that it's going to be even in Doriath, winter comes. And so it's probably going to be cold. And, um, and this also cold. brings up, by the way, another interesting point that Senelisha was making just a little while back, which is is being friends with the animals a bonus to his clothing situation or a hindrance? Mm. <laughs> um it's a, it's a well, fair question. Right, because it'd be less leather, more wool, it sounds like. <laughs> and yeah, he's going to have to chase down a sheep, <laughs> shear it. <laughs> and the, I mean, or, I mean, Luthien could make him something. Yeah, I mean, like, that's... Uh, so... I, I just wanted to say, we can have Seamster's Luthien if she repairs his stuff, washes it mm. at least, um, or helps him mend something. Mm. That's also an option. So one thing I there are things to like and not to like about that, I think, um, for sure. 
One thing to like about it is that it makes the, hey, can I get a loom not come out of nowhere when she's locked up in the tree, right? Um, If we already have introduced the fact that spinning and weaving is a thing she does, then it's less, I don't know. But um, so we can in some way anticipate that. Um, And there's, there's an interesting kind of symmetry to the idea of her basically making, you know, a garment for him and then making a garment for herself later on. And so if like the two of them are basically traveling in clothes that she made, that's a little bit interesting, right? Um, There are things not to like about this either, right? I mean, certainly um, uh, I I can't imagine, uh, (laughs) I can't imagine uh, Luthien being like, ah, I've met a man in the woods, so let me go spin him some clothes uh, would be like, uh, you know, the uh, favorite angle uh, on this from a feminist perspective, for sure. Um, but I don't know. I don't Not know. to mention if if she merely repairs his existing clothes, like what's he wearing while he's waiting for that to happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the no. actual the, the actual repair of his clothes is is awkward for that reason, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, the answer to that is layers. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You can take one layer off and still have the other layer on. It's fine. Yeah. He doesn't have to be sitting around shirtless um, while she's doing this. Based based on the on some of the things we've established about the elves, though, it wouldn't be surprising to me if Luthien was unaware that the state of his dress would be a problem in as winter came on. Because mm-hmm. we know that the elves are less um, less vulnerable to cold than we are. Yes, yes, yes. Kelkaraxa, I, I, I get it, but you know that's Arctic cold. That's not the same. Right. There's right. cold, and then there's cold. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Doriath. Um, yeah. Yeah. So no, as long as his clothes are sturdy enough, make when. He when he gets them, presumably, you know, they were made before the Decker Bragalot, then they can hold up enough that they're like there's no immediate need for him to have a new set of clothing right that second. Yeah, I, I don't think we need him to be in rags or completely everything's tattered and falling off of him. But yeah. certainly there can be damage to his gear. Mm. Like he can have rips and tears and things like that. Cause he got attacked by a giant spider. Like that has to, <laughs> most, most outfits don't really survive that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. you could also just have him ask for needle and thread. Like it's to fix his own clothes. Yeah. A, a man comes who, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> but given um, but... the, the tight nature of episode four world, this would be happening. No, like, yeah, that's probably we, not. We don't have to any... actually depict almost any of this necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's just mostly a question of trying to figure out what did happen so that we know what to show, um, right. so that it makes so, sense. As a parallel, um, Vigo Mortensen had suggested that Aragorn, as a ranger, would be mending his own garments, and so he was like, "If I have any damage to my costume, I want to be able to just do a rough stitch to." So like a field, <laughs> field repair on it right. so that 
on the overall effect is that this garment has gone through some things. Right. And so he repaired it himself, which is probably not how costumes are usually handled on set. And <laughs> right. um, they're like, sure, whatever, go ahead, Vigo. And it's not like there was ever a scene of Strider in the background sitting there mending Stitching, stuff. right. <laughs> yeah, right. but the the result was on screen. So I, I think that's what we're talking about is things like, if, exactly. oh, Baron mended it, it would look like this. If Luthien gave him a new garment, it would be like this. You know, we're just deciding what happened and then it would just be on screen without explanation. And exactly as you said, Marie, the big question is what do we want him to look like when he enters Doriath? Um, so he probably has a rough sewing kit on him. So what he wakes up like and what he appears before thing like are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he can be a little bit patched with it, but again, it shouldn't look like he's uh, wearing, unless the new clothes he's wearing are explicitly Doriath clothes. And we're implying that she gave him a set of clothes. He shouldn't look like he's wearing a new set of clothes. He should be, he should look like he's wearing yeah. as just exactly what you're describing, Marie um, field patched. Yeah. Now, the other issue is parallels, of course, to Aragorn and Arwen for later and uh, much later. Um, We know that Galadriel dresses Aragorn as an elf lord before sending him off to reunite with Arwen uh, when they get engaged. So having someone at some point put Baron in elf clothes would be a good idea. But that could always be Finrod and Nargothrond. Right. And they, when they get reunited at Tolsirian, that's the parallel to the Aragorn Arwen story. It doesn't have to be part of the Doriath storyline. Right, right. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Aragorn and Arwen pair. But I'm... I don't know. I have to admit, I'm kind of liking the idea of her making him like a cloak specifically. Um, it doesn't have to be a fancy magic cloak woven out of her own hair. Um, but he, like, what if he's his... He's going to need winter gear, yeah. He's going to need winter gear. His cloak could be something that did get ripped to shreds, right? Um, or closer to shreds. Uh, his clothing was able to be saved, right? But his... Uh, but his and again, because... But once again, I'm thinking about the presentation before Thingol. Um, And I would think we agreed, I think we agreed last time, that they're basically engaged, openly, explicitly engaged when presented um, before Thingol. And so um, at that point, it would seem very natural. Um, And what's more, I think it would be a good way to visually kind of signal this in some way, right? Um, like, I'm going to think Luthien probably makes her own clothes. Right? I mean, I'm not saying she always, like, she never wears anything that isn't made by herself, but the again... The ability we, to make clothes is a skill she has. This is a thing she does. made their elves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Um, but, uh, um, anyway, so... And I, mean, I think it would they're in the wild ahead, for months right so and they're engaged they can make presents for each other after like months and months and like Baron can craft something maybe he crafts like a, I don't know 
first thing that came to my head was like a flower crown or something and she right. gives him a beautiful cloak and then they just stand what if there he carves her a like, nightingale oh. or something out of or out something of, yes i don't know exactly, out of the Japur some kind of gift that is like and then it's less like a oh this this poor man stumbled into my forest there you go close and it's more like well we're getting engaged right. present you know? Well, and because the, the other thing that I'm thinking is, again, like the visual effect that they would look like a pair when they come in, you know, if only he and, had a ring to give her. I know that would be convenient. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I they don't have to look like a well-matched pair. I think he should look out of place and he will look out of place. He's not going to be fancily dressed. He's going to still be in his rugged and worn outlaw clothing. But but I think. A nice Luthien-made cloak on top of that um, with his outlaw gear underneath would be a good kind of compromise where it shows like because if she she would have to know that if she brings him by the hand into the court looking like a beggar, this is going to put things on a I mean, I would think that there would be a kind of a statement there of like, yes, he like not trying to conceal the fact that he's different. I don't care that he looks raggedy. But he belongs here, right? He belongs here, and the two of us are a matched pair. Um, I mean, if we're if we're going to say that they are, that they are, you know, that she is presenting him as her betrothed before her father, it's hard for me to imagine she would not fancy him up even a little bit for that. I mean, she would be putting him in a really, in an, in, I mean, it's going to be awkward for him no matter what, but she's, she'd only, she'd have to know she was making it worse for him if he looked like a vagabond. Right. Right. She, if she's going to do this, she has to at least try. So if he's yeah. wearing his freshly made elf cloak, that at least ameliorates the situation a little bit. He clearly looks like a battered human outlaw. Right. But with a fancy Luthien made cloak. But let's back up a step here. It's important to remember that he isn't, he wasn't born an outlaw, right? No, no. And his outlaw estate is, you know, he's, he was an outlaw in his own, in, in the place that he for, you know, had every reason to expect. He would be the next leader of. Um, so he's a person of rank. Uh, yeah. Now, of course, he's a person of rank among humans, which isn't the same as a person of rank among elves. No. But his clothing would have been of the best make possible for the men of right. Ladros, which I think, we, and we've talked about this, would be significant um, in comparison to other human cultures. Because of their time in Nargothrond, absolutely, especially exactly. compared to the uh, uh, to the Haladin, obviously. So yeah. his clothes were likely of quite quite good make. Mm -hmm. um, so while they would be worn Five and patched, yeah, <laughs> worn and patched, worn and patched, <laughs> but still, you know, I have. I have clothing that that you know I that I got more than five years ago. I mean, I don't wear it every day, but you know. right, right. You weren't fighting giant spiders in it, but yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was gonna say you had to have you trekked through Nangifunogorth. I mean, I have encountered some some spiders. In, 
I spend have. a lot of time in attics and crawl spaces. <laughs> yes, you do. If there's a spider to be found, I run into it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear that. Um, but but I agree. We we do want to remember that when we talk about yes, his outlaw look, we are talking about. Um, you should be able to tell that his clothes were nice, not fancy necessarily, but definitely good quality. Yeah. Um, not elaborate. Yeah. 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 Um so are we okay with the cloak idea? Yeah. The nice but non-magical cloak and she can be wearing something similar. So again that they I the thing I, I like, like about him having that cloak. Yeah, they come in looking like a match set. Yeah. Most of the artwork I've seen of Baron and Luthien is here's him, here's her. They look like they don't go together at all. Right. And that's deliberate and intentional. But sure. then you have to have something that connects them. And if this is her presenting this guy to her dad, she's got to at least try. Yeah, I, I, so, I can't uh, imagine I her not trying. Idea. Yeah. Right. I mean, she can be as unworldly as you like, right? You know, she might not care, but uh, but she's got to be aware of the sort of the politics of the moment, right? Um, and even if she is accepts him and is not bothered, she has to know what the effect that it's going to have on him on. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And no, I, I hadn't thought of that before, but I really, I really, I really like that. And as I say, that prepares us for her cloak making later on. Right. Um, she would have, um, okay. So, but what's she wearing? What's she wearing when she... So what do you wear to dance in the woods? Exactly. Well, if you're Luthien, you wear a blue dress. Yes. Yeah. True enough. Yes, I think a blue mantle is something of the only um, implications we have from the label you know, of what she would be wearing. So I I think you can... You, you could use blue generally as, you know, her favorite color. And whenever you show her in different kind of things, you always have a prominent like part of the thing be blue or like something mm-hmm. that's like the overmantle or the, yeah. The, the, whatever it is. Okay. I'm going to confess some ignorance in, and in the question of costuming, my ignorance is quite profound. I've never actually understood what a mantle is. Mm. When people use that word, I always kind of nod and I'm like some kind of garment that's like, loose and sort of flowing I guess but I don't really know what a mantle is it depends on who's wearing it ah okay if it's a woman I believe it referred it, it's referring to like an outer the outer dress um if it's a man it's usually kind of the a cloakish sort of thing well I think it's quite a broad because mm. I could imagine there are a things that cover like the shoulders go a bit over you know if you wearing were wearing a dress and uh, a top then you would just be covering like two two thirds of everything with a mantle and it gives a sort of layer effect uh but i i think it could also for a woman be a cloakish situation because it's where i think it's very broad but okay so it's not english native speakers. but <laughs> it's outerwear like it's it's more yeah, like no a cloak kind of layer It's a no sleeve situation and it's a, a layer no situation. Yeah. Layers so, and no so sleeves. So if you if you think of outerwear, top layer, cloak, 
Okay. That works with mantle. Okay. See, I never knew that. <laughs> but, I never knew exactly what Faramir was giving to Eowyn, uh, for instance. Right? Uh, His mother's mantle. Man. And I'm like, yeah, uh, starry okay. mantle. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a garment. I that, when I made that costume piece, I made myself a blue cloak and I embroidered stars on it. Okay, well, I right. didn't embroider. I got someone else to embroider patches and I put them all over it and then I right. embellished it. But the point is, yeah, I, I made a cloak. When I made that okay. starry mantle. <laughs> okay. Right. I mean, I could, I could gather, I mean, there were some things I could gather from context, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I knew, I knew it wasn't, <laughs> I knew it wasn't underwear, but I didn't know if it was like a coat or if it was like a dress yeah. or if it was, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No sleeves is the right. idea. So no sleeves. Gonna... See, I had no idea that sleeves were counterindicated in mantles. So it's something you just it's that just kind of lies over your shoulders and is it is it is it is it cold weather gear? Like is it something you wear for warmth? Or yeah. I mean can yeah, it I be? Mean, or, or, yeah, or I is, mean, it, is that implied by it? I think or? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the problem is you have a language thing because in I think it well, I'm not sure. In well, in German, a mantle is basically just your name for a coat, some some kind of warm winter coat. And I think a okay. mantle is some sort of adjacent thing to it. Like, so I we get mantle from the French, just to clarify. Sorry. Yes, yes, it's it. Yeah, yes. Uh, and from French, it comes to cloak. So for sort of it yeah. meets at the linguistic barrier between France and Germany, in the middle of a between a cloak and a, um, a mantle and then it this becomes thing. the mantle you know okay this isn't a very good way to see this image but <laughs> <laughs> you're in the way there nick right well, yeah. so yes we're looking at like the what the midriff of this or the, yes, uh, the back lower yeah. back of this but it's the, yeah it's the green thing that she's wearing. The green thing she's is, wearing is a mantle. Is that a looks mantle. like see i would not put that in the cloak category i would put that in the dress category myself what i'm seeing there Oh yeah, overdress. Um, the, I think, I don't know if this is true, but I thought that um, mantle it has to do with birds, right? The, um, so the the idea that it goes over the shoulders would be. It, it, this does go over the shoulders. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm saying so. The idea is that something that is over the shoulders and draping. Over so, the shoulders like and draping. Cloak. Oh, right. yeah, so, yeah, but like from birds. Well, from birds. I mean, clothing. Mantled wings, right? It also got to be said these these come from times when there wasn't like a standard dictionary. Those yes. like that's yeah yeah thing. no that's a mantle and you don't. <laughs> I'm just so, um, yeah. yeah yeah I'm just I'm trying to learn. <laughs> I've never yeah. I've, I've never understood outer, this word. Outer garment outer, for sure. Outer outer garment for sure. And yes. I think the no sleeves thing is pretty significant. Okay. In, at least in English. <laughs> right. So <laughs> what is the French order? So therefore, um, the fact that she's wearing a blue mantle is actually of comparatively limited help in under. I mean, so okay. So she has a blue yeah, outer t- thing. Tolkien never describes clothing very well. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Ever. Um, so <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, I, I'm just I'm just appreciating that there was this tone not quite approaching bitterness but of flatness to the the, i I just was listening to the tone of a costumer who loves tolkien and uh has a very small grievance against against tolkien it's not a grievance because it is like everything else he does with the visual arts of he 
invokes an idea of right. something. And then leaves so it open for you to imagine. Yeah. Right. His descriptions are about leaving things open-ended. He's yeah. not about the let me meticulously detailed give you a blow-by-blow blow of what's going on right. here. Right. Unless it's unless it's the vegetation. But the the general <laughs> right. idea is that he doesn't he just kind of like paints this big picture of like, yeah. here's how you should feel about this moving right. on. And so right. we get the description of Aragorn as Strider and the Prancing Pony as this really iconic image of this figure in the corner and you know, and so people are like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great description. What color clothing is he wearing? Browns and greens. Okay, cool. What is he wearing? Right. Clothes is about Close. all I can tell you about what he's wearing. <laughs> right. Like, right. He's got boots on. The boots are described in some detail, and there is a cloak. But yeah. as for what he's actually wearing, clothes. Clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, it's one of the reasons like that a, a Faramir's starry mantle is striking because we rarely get that kind of detail. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's an actual. There's a reason I made it. It's like wow, <laughs> description from the books. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Are also quite a point of pride. So there's like a focus on significant, maybe patterned, like overclothes. Mm -hmm. Like vests are like you have the normal clothes, and then you have the the, the statement piece that gives mm -hmm. it meaning, sort of. That that, mm -hmm. that he likes to do. Yeah. So somebody never described anything. We 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 have a general idea what Tom and Goldberry look like, for instance. Well, Tom, of course, is a bad data point. Uh, I mean, for many reasons. For many reasons, it's one of the, one of the many reasons in which Tom Bombadil is a bad data point. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but we yeah. have the color scheme, and like that's that's what he usually gives. <laughs> we us, sure do. Of a color <laughs> and so yes. with Luthien, the color scheme is she has dark hair and. A blue cloak and um there's uh lilies i believe are embroidered golden lilies are on one of our outfits right yeah and, and i, I forget if that was one of the passages that got crossed out because i know that one he, he redid it a few times in, in the line yes yeah. yeah something i i took from that was basically if you have her her hair will be relatively like visually you can uh, blocking you know, I, can't, I don't have the vocabulary for in the morning five at this point. <laughs> it, it, it graphically makes up a part of her appearance. And yes. then you have a, a, a dominant blue mantle. And I think with the rest, you can sort of have a few color accents like flowers, maybe some neutral so it doesn't get too busy. Um, I think that would be a totally workable is she wearing blue all the way down or is she in a blue mantle and then another something else underneath? She's probably wearing a she's probably wearing a sleeved not undergown but a, 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 a I mean she'd have a like a, a dress as well as yes um, I mean, a, I'm, I'm not asking if she's wearing anything underneath I mean yeah, oh yeah, is it going to be blue also I mean is, 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 is right. the blue mantle going to yeah. be over a different it color? It would look better if it was not blue well, right. you can do some really interesting things with contrasting colors with the layers, mm -hmm. or you can do different shades of one dominant color. So mm. you can right. do it either way. She could wear a lighter blue underneath mm. and then a darker blue on top, and that would be striking as well. Mm. Or it could be gold or orange or you know a vibrant, completely different color, mm -hmm. and you could do something with that. So there's different directions you can go. Um, yeah. And 
she's a princess. She probably has more than one outfit. Probably. <laughs> but you could, could have like something that's recognizable as her, her signature her. item. Yeah. And her, which could be, signature. which I would think would be the mantle, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And, and of course that would be another good way visually to signal people that time, like, time has passed when he's seeing her in the woods, right? She would be mm-hmm. in a different outfit. Um, okay. Okay. What does she, what do we want to capture in Luthien's, like how Luthien dresses generally? Um, I, I'm thinking she's going to be in like um, kind of, um, um, and sorry, Maria, I think this is a technical term, fwooshy, uh, because dancing, right? I mean, this is going to mm-hmm. be uh, she's 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 dressed for dancing and fushi, uh, 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 stuff, right, right, right. So generally speaking, um, if what you mean is when she twirls, everything kind of spins and it's swirly. That's and stuff, the kind of thing that I'm thinking mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Then so basically, it's a pretty full skirt. I think so. Yeah. Probably, so, I mean, but I she's like got to be able to run that, but... without. I mean, we don't we don't really yeah, want. Yeah, you got a lot like... of volume when you do that. Yeah, yeah. So it we, might we... not be a full circle skirt, but it could be a, a very full skirts so that they can be swished around for yeah. dancing purposes. Yeah, dancing, but also running is what we have to have her dressed for, basically. I, right? I think she could also have a range of clothing. Like if if she's mm-hmm. doing some really ambitious dancey stuff it should be more mobile and if she's strolling around and twirling a couple times then it can be more flowy and you know yeah so that's where it'll come in handy to have different outfits for her in the meeting baron and dory episode because we can pick the outfit for what she's doing in that particular scene but we are going to have to pick like a traveling outfit for her where she doesn't get to change her clothes out all the time Yes. Um, which you'll be in for most of the rest of the season. And well, that would be. And that this reminds me then that actually leads to one of my following questions. Oh, wait, hang on a second. Um, uh, Catherine, you mentioned her hair. How long on the average day? How long are we imagining Luthien's hair to be? Well, she can put it up if it's long. Um, but, right. But I am. I imagine always imagine okay. her having reasonably long hair when she starts out and then depending on how you interpret what's happening maybe at some point she gets a haircut but i don't know um I, middle I, of the I, back huh? all, middle of the back all the way yeah. down to the thighs like i mean the, 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 there would be an argument to be made for her to have extraordinarily long hair right as right. a setup for the cloak that's going to be you know that basically so that her black hair um, you know, as it is swirling around her, a- anticipates the shadow cloak that she's going to make out of her hair, right? So there's there's something to be said for having her have when he meets her, and when like when she's at home in Doriath, uh, in the main frame, you know, the, the, the main the main the main not the frame, but the main story um, that she normally like her normal is really really long. I don't know that we, ne- we we don't have to do that. Um, we don't have to, but if it's shorter than about waist length it might not feel like it's long enough. It would, <laughs> like it would seem a normal which, person that would yeah. still be long hair, but on Luthien, it's like, but it doesn't count as long hair unless it's at least to her waist. <laughs> right. Right. Um, the waist yeah. does also give that mantle impression. If you open it up, it also, mm-hmm. it makes something that impression like you had that like mid-length mantle. Yeah. Um, 
but I think if it's extremely long before like the that sequence, it's it feels like a statement where you're like, okay, she's been winning the longest hair contest every year. Because <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like, I would not want her hair to be down to her ankles. Like, right. That would be. Well, there were some suggestions. Uh, 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 Carrie was suggesting her knees. Um, uh, someone else was thinking at least like upper thighs. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, I think that's on the table, at least. Another thing, by the way, that I would add is the scene described in the poem um, within the mantle of her hair, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, the the longer her hair is, the the more flexibility we have. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but for yeah. a scene like that, it really doesn't need to be that long. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. For, but, but I agree that the longer, right. why not? Like, she seems to have fairly long hair based on the descriptions that we have. Yeah. So yeah. you fairly long hair. She's an elf princess. It's got to be fairly long. I mean, it be, can be as long as she wants it to be. Length. But, but it's yeah, not, no, I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I think I would think that at least to begin now, mm-hmm. the next question of course is post magical haircut scene, mm-hmm. right? How long's mm-hmm. her hair when she's traveling? Right. So we get to think about how we want that to play out because one way you can handle it is if her hair is growing magically long and fast, she cuts it off. It grows magically to whatever length she wants it to be. Right. Yeah. And then she stops the magic and I'm back to normal. So she could go into the scene, come out of the scene with the same length of hair. But do we want to show that she's changed in some way? Mm. I think her hair off. Yeah, the opportunity a for a visual change. cue to say she is not in the same well headspace that she was in before is a, mm-hmm. a good. A, I mean, that seems like an obvious kind of opportunity. Um, right. I don't know so that then, it needs to be radical. Like, I don't think right. you know she needs to be cropped short or buzzed or something like that, right? Which would be maximally striking, right? But something like shoulder length or or bob length or something afterwards. I mean, yeah, the thing is. Whatever choice we make, we have to stick with for a while. Because if she's not magically growing her hair long anymore, like you yeah. can get away with it in that scene to grow it back as long as you want. But after that point, you kind of just have to keep it Agreed. and go with it. I mean, there is time passing, but not a lot of time. So people's hair can grow over the course of a year. Right. But if we chop it off to her ears, it's not going to grow back down to her waist <laughs> by right. the end of the season. So Luthien, she can still do that, at, you know, exactly. presumably exactly. at will. Uh, but right. um, we've just shown her doing it. But again, it's a <laughs> if the, if it was a meaningful thing that it got cho- cut, chopped off and cut short, then undoing that would feel also meaningful in a way. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh, what I always imagined was that you can not see only can see not only her um, changed state of mind, maybe, but also that she's now entering into a new stage of like you can have that that uh, what's it called the threshold that's crossed and she's like okay yes. now i'm going and and it's visually like very clear that this is a different situation too um mm-hmm. so i've always been a fan of taking that rapunzel metaphor uh, rather literally in that that respect but i think if like in a year you can grow whatever like depending on person you can grow something like like, like that so, so if she has shoulder length well, she, she'll have something over the shoulders for uh, for the end of the season i think that's totally you know 
know, yeah we yeah. have it's an easy this is not elf hair right yeah. like this is not quite <laughs> long enough to be an elf right and that's where i was like if we chop it off all the way up to her ear people are going to be like not elf hair for whatever we grow out of well, I, I, I think the, the not elf her her dogma can be challenged occasionally <laughs> for sure <laughs> i think so i think so but i also think <laughs> that like people feel very strongly about elf hair could, could one of them be on this very broadcast right now perhaps don't Indeed. forget though that we are I now we are now training up an entire generation of people who will find that completely normal but um <laughs> anyway um, I, so we do have a story beat that kind of helps here so one thing that we could do is have her come out of here alone with her hair shorn and she proceeds more or less like that through the rest of the season until she dies then when she comes back her hair can be it doesn't need to be as long as it was before but it doesn't have to be the same way it was because again she's once again in a different stage of her life um well so and though nick i would add there's there's an intermediate story um yeah point and that is the return to doriath when right. she and Baron, um, like, walk back down the aisle uh, of the throne room in Doriath the second time, yeah, there that's that's another really important place. She's now returning after, you know, her tremendous adventures and accomplishments. And it's possible that in the in, in the wedding, you know, in preparation for her wedding, she has grown her hair out on purpose. You know, look, why not? Which means um, so, something so different for Luthien than it means for most right. women growing their hair out for their weddings. <laughs> right. And we don't have to explain. Yeah. yeah, yeah we but I, ex- do, I that. do agree that the coming back to Doriath and showing that she's not the same person who left Doriath, like, it's it's part of the same story. So if, if we're going to say, let's make her hairstyle different when she leaves, let's keep that different hairstyle at least until she comes back so the people mm-hmm. of Doriath can see her that way. As yes, this yeah. is the Luthien abroad look. Um, right. And right. then once she has returned, yeah, if she wants to grow her hair out before or the, the wedding of... where, where, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when she's got to be the most Luthien that she's ever Luthien. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Max right. Luthien there. Yeah. 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 yeah but I, I do, I do, I do like the idea of her presenting herself to the court changed. I mean, maybe, yeah, yeah, and she might, she might like. Would she? So, so let's say she, it's shorter, but as you say, it doesn't have to be like ear length. Um, if it's like, okay. yeah, and, so and mostly are, because again, like Luthien's here. hair is a big deal. Like her hair, right. like it needs to be so, visible. Shoulder length is like here, right? Yeah. So that's still short for someone like Luthien, not short right. for necessarily someone who's used to having their yes. hair cut and styled right. um and then there's past shoulder length right so right. like here i'm thinking if if her hair is like waist length or longer at the beginning if that's like yeah. the default state that she begins in mm-hmm. having hair even past shoulder length but no more than collarbone right would mm-hmm. still be a very significant change yeah but yeah, right. like this is mid back length on me. Right, right. That's, this goes to the middle of my back. So yeah, if I were to chop off what about what, yeah four or five inches, then it would be this length. You know, just past. And that's still shoulder. she could still like 
put it back, you know, tie it back in a ponytail when you're mm-hmm. having oh, yeah, a busy sure. day. Like I've got to overthrow, you know, uh, uh, Morgoth. Morgoth and Sauron and in a row. And so, you know, I'm going to put my hair up for a busy day like that. You can still do that. Um, right. The question of whether or not you can put it into braids, right. If you want to have braids in the hair, can you still do that? Right. And yeah, right. You, you should. If it's that long, you should still be able to. If it's, you know, here to here length, then it's a little too short to do that kind of stuff. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah. a little flexibility. Think, so that yeah. yeah. So I think that we probably want to start with it pretty long if we want this to look short. Yes, that's that's so exactly like kind of what I'm coming if, around to. Yeah. So I, I would say past waist length to start with, whether it's to the knees or not is. Yeah. Up for whatever, but, but also thinking and and practical levels, Mm -hmm. if you're growing out your hair, so say your hair is eight feet long or whatever, right? And you are cutting it (laughs) yourself, right? You're not going to cut it yourself here, right? You're going to hold it and cut it, right? I mean, and so it's going to end up being still hmm. below shoulder length unless you do the old bring e- bring each uh bunch of hair to your nose and cut it there <laughs> which is something uh, uh, folks do right right possible but anyway i'm, I'm just thinking in practical terms right wouldn't you, right i mean yeah. you wouldn't right. cut it yourself that short i mean you can. <laughs> i might need to trim afterwards I, I don't think Alana that she would need to have longer hair for the dance before Morgoth. Um, because she has the cloak, right? Right. Like that's how she's bringing her hair with her. Yeah. Yeah. Through the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, From experience, no. I've but I've known people who have cut their hair that way, Sophia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, at... I mean, this is also a pre-hairdresser. Uh, place or I don't know maybe Doriel has hairdressers but right uh, but there definitely won't be one in the in the tree will cut someone's hair sometimes right right yeah I mean um, yeah you, usually you consider the way you handle longer hair without a hairdresser is you put everything in braids and so you can put it in a braid and then just chop off the braid too right but again you probably wouldn't do the chopping here you do it here, right? Probably. I mean, depends. There's no mirrors involved in this. That's true. No mirrors involved. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah, that's that's one of the things that I'm... We can justify it being roughly this long if we need it to be. Yeah. If we're like, yeah. Oh, we want it to be... Just thinking it, just trying yeah. to think it through here. Um, I'm also trying to like visually imagine the scene of the hair growing and hair cutting and then mm-hmm. leaving, right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, back to her clothes. What do elves wear in prison? Clothes of sadness. <laughs> clothes of sadness. I mean, it's like a striped prison outfit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm imagining Luthien in an orange jumpsuit or something. But this is house arrest by her parents. I know right, it's not no, no. actually. Clearly. Yeah. What you wear is the white chemise, and then the shadows from the tree put bars of shadow on it. Yeah, so it exactly. Looks there you go. Like a prison so jumpsuit. It. But actually, it's that white yeah. nightgown that all the elves wear in the Rings of Power. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, seriously, though, this is, that, this is what she's going to be wearing the whole season. 
like the whole rest of the season, right? I mean, whatever it is that she wears to prison is what she's going to be running away. She doesn't have a change of clothes for the road. Right. So that's right. her traveling. That's, her, that's going to be her travel her, gear. Um, with the, and she's with not going to be yeah. like, I'm going to, uh, dad, I'm going to wear my traveling leathers uh, to prison. Don't ask. <laughs> right. Like it's, like it's not going to be like that. Right. I mean, it's, it's whatever um, she had on that day. Kind whatever of she had thing. on that, presumably. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So she doesn't wear practical clothing for traveling in the wilderness is where we're going with this. She's wearing no, a dress. Now, when she leaves Nargathon, she might be. Oh, right. Because I mean, I don't know where because, she get it. Because they dress her up for prison there? No, 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 no. What I mean is... She breaks like, out of prison might... there, too. Luthien's, yeah. Luthien's prison gear is, is like, multi-purpose. <laughs> yeah. But she, but she <laughs> might get her hand on, hands on some some more, uh, more appropriate travel wear on her way out the door, at least. Or yeah, she certainly steal uh, steal of some clothing for what her. She, she rob a clothesline on the way out of Nargothrond or something? Yeah, sure. <laughs> generally, the, um, I think it depends what kind of dance she's doing. But like the dancers I know don't only own ball gowns, like right. uh, <laughs> exclusively ball gowns. Um, so and, and this, that I mean to the question, what do you wear to prison? I don't wear my full Sunday. Like I wouldn't. If, if <laughs> right. I was it's it, it, this, this, is this the voice of experience talking? <laughs> exactly. No. When I go to prison, I don't <laughs> yeah. no, This is more of a, a, my thought was more, if, if you are like, okay, I'm going to stay in old Sunday, right. And not yeah. go out and, and just be comfy. Then and your lounge I, clothes, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, what are Luthien's lounge clothes, or, or or does she wear lounge clothes? Does she does she is she like I'm gonna sit in a tree all day? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I think, I, no, it's yeah. I don't think they should be terribly practical because they're right. not designed for travel for sure. And and, yeah, uh, and I love the idea of Huan being her fashion consultant, right? <laughs> so like Huan, could you fetch me some you know uh, tasteful traveling gear and. But I don't think that seems very likely. But sorry, Marie, go on. You were going to. Yeah. So there's a couple of times in her travels where she takes off the hair cloak and she's like revealed. Right. Yeah. And both times that I'm thinking of, it's pretty significant. Like, hi, I'm Luthien. So with Kelligorm seeing her for the first time uh, when he yeah. finds her. And then, of course, uh, Karkaroff <laughs> um, also right. finds her. So. Right. Um, and there dancing a, before she's going to dance before, before Morgoth, Morgoth in this in this right. outfit, outfit too, right? So, so her I, being in essentially a nightgown seems that would be that would that would certainly stop people in their tracks. True. Well, what, True. Where I'm going with this is the the, the cloak is shadowy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And she's in a dark place in both when she meets Kelligorm, it's evening time and. With Karkaroth, it's Angband, and Morgoth's throne room is really Angband. So when the cloak would come off, if she's wearing something light-colored underneath, it would really stand out and shine yes. a lot. So I, I do think we want that contrast of she's covered in shadows, but surprise, it's Luthien right. underneath. Right. And we you're right that she can't look a... frumpy. Uh, I mean, not that Luthien would ever look frumpy, but again, like. Prison clothes, like we're talking about, like you know, Dad's well, locking me in the tree. But she what doesn't do change when tree? she gets arrested. So it's more of a whatever she was wearing that day. She gets thrown in a treehouse, 
and well, then she gets them up. So it's like okay. normal clothes. Let's well hang hang on because Octoburn has a suggestion about her being already dressed to depart to help Baron when she is, you know, when Thingle oh. stops her. And I think that is essentially the way we have episode five sketched out. So she's already her. dressed from the road. And then it's like, no, you're not going on a journey, young lady. You're right. going straight to prison instead. Yeah. Correct. Okay, go so directly to Hero Lauren. Do not pass go. Do not change into your nightgown. We just have to remember that she's going to be dancing before Morgoth in whatever it is. Right. I, I just wonder if that's a little spoiler for afterwards, and I'm not 100% sure of these designs either because I'm not a textile designer, but I was wondering, can we give her maybe some, some kind of layers, some kind of situational things that she can carry? And if they're like, okay, next we have to climb over this giant hill with mud yeah. and whatever, she can take the pretty white thing off have something <laughs> practical more practical and then climb up the hill or something i don't know so, so what you're mean, asking is can we give luthien a backpack to put a change of clothes in <laughs> well let's would, let's uh would she have been allowed to bring that to prison i don't yeah. know can we have, <laughs> but she like, could get the, that in nargothron she could pick true. up a backpack in nargothron for sure so everyone can show up with the cloak and surprise in a backpack, backpack. yeah Kelogorm's back in a backpack Yes, she can steal Kelligorm's pack. That would be awesome. <laughs> because people in our world carry gear. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. That's not directed at anyone in particular, Nick. Yeah. Well, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Uh-huh. Right. The point is, I think we can get her some gear in Nargothrond and yeah. whatever she was wearing to prison is just to get her to Nargothrond. And then from there, yeah. right. something else we can go. But yeah, I, I would prefer that she not wear a white nightgown for like five episodes yeah. straight. It would feel weird. But yeah. but I think both the fact that she gets prepared to go thrown in prison and that she has to stop in Nargothrond gives us ample opportunity to give her some variety, some way to adapt to the journey, etc. And I think she shouldn't just... It, it would look maybe a little weird if we want to balance everything, dancing before Morgoth, you know, showing off mm-hmm. her Luthienness when 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 someone meets her, uh, to crawling up the way to Angband. You know, everything one outfit must do with no changes. Right. I don't know. Flexibility yeah. is good. Yeah. It, it's also going to be really funny to have like multiple outfit changes in episode four, where she's at home in Doriath, and then nope, now you got to wear this for five <laughs> same episodes. one. For, well, yeah, I mean that would be the that would be the she way. She would surely get a change of clothes in Nargothron, like yeah. a, a few changes of clothes in Nargothron, and she can possibly bring some of those with her. Um, Safira, absolutely. I can't imagine that female elves are would ever allow fashion to dictate that they cannot have pockets. That seems... I I agree completely. Like, who would ever let that happen to themselves? I'm just... Yeah, well, that's also an artifact of the of the fast fashion complex, which they don't have. Yes. Um, Wait, the witch <laughs> complex? The fast fashion, you know, before fast fashion, um, women's clothing much more often had <clears throat> diverse amounts of pockets. That's true. Um, Probably more, more and larger pockets than men's clothing. More fabric. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, agreed. Totally. Pockets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, my last, I think it's my last um, Luthien clothing question. 
what do you wear when you're going to sing before the God of the Dead? Because that seems like a day you want to plan your your outfit rather carefully, right? Mm-hmm. She, or she knew you that just coming. kind of manifest it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like it's it's she uh, chooses here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would it would presumably be uh, something that would be manifested by her choice, by her will. Um, it's not literally dressing up, but still, like, um, presumably we're not going to have her naked spirit dancing and singing before Mandos. So, um, hey, don't make a face, Nick. That's a perfectly logical thing to, like, you've got yeah, your naked soul you there before you. Mandos. You don't take your body with you. I, I understand, but, like, I just don't want to be I'm that not suggesting show. we actually do a nude dancing scene with Luthien in that moment. I'm just saying it's not obvious. But, you know, yeah. Anyway, just... Okay. We, 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 we need to lay it out, right? To do with the layers where she has the uh, much more darker sort of grief thing. And then it could change. during the dance, you have these glimpses of the lighting underneath, you know, the hope and the, the, the thing. And, and and in the end, she like uh, when, when it happens, then she can, can take that off or we have some, some kind of change where it's like uh, hope and, and light and, you know, Everything is is still there, yeah. Because the the whole point of her song before Namo is to move him to pick, yeah. And he's not an easy guy to um, plead your case to, yeah. So she everything, every aspect of what she's doing there, her song, her dance, her outfit, everything has to be with that goal in mind. And you know, how do you make this guy cry? Is basically what it comes down to. Hmm. maybe so. she's wearing like the simplest plainest clothes we've seen her in all season hmm. right because she's yeah. like a penitent in that situation like not yes. that she's yes not wrong, like but she's sackcloth all you know right. but but yeah i mean i something very quite severe potentially like a like what a um a, i don't know what you call nun initiates um, but something postulant like, yeah Thank you. Um, novice. Yes, yes. There you go. Novice is probably the word I was looking for. Probably. Uh, um, like what they would wear, essentially, as, as their uniform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, something like that seems to me so something that robes, would fit. Undyed color. wool. Mm-hmm. I... Expanding this question a little bit. Um I, sorry, your your reference to undyed made me think like, it is she going to be in full color anyway? How are we going to depict mm. the like the appearance of the fea there? Good question. How ghosty? If only we had this visual art session in which to discuss such <laughs> questions. Yeah. Well, hang hang yeah. on, hang on, because we've talked a little bit about this before. There is only one other time that we've been inside the halls of Mandos, and that is with Melkor, and only briefly in um episode eight of season two when he was when we kind of showed him you know doing push-ups in in mandos you know waiting for yeah. uh for his parole hearing yeah right and in that situation i think that all we really talked about was kind of the the black version of the um the the gearing up scene from the matrix 
where they have like just this white space that just goes on infinitely but in, in this right. case um actually we now have a better analog for this being um uh stranger things when uh when seven communicates with somebody telepathically over distance oh, she 11 and you that mean yeah person, the, the black the black 11, with seven. the water yeah 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 yes yeah mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is essentially what we envisioned for for mandos um but I don't think we discussed whether or not it was in color, which is an interesting question. Um, the only other time that anything inside Mendes has come up since elves have existed is um, Muriel goes there, of course. And we were going to have her vision of Feanor with flames from when he was born, right? Right. So she's not in Mendes when that happens, but the vision with the flames she's then going to spend all her time in Mendes making these tapestries, presumably including flames at some point, because we've had that vision of her with the flames with Faye and yeah. Our, yeah. If yeah. we show those tapestries, they should have flames too. So we would definitely want some color for that. Like the tapestries can't be in black and white is where I'm right with this. No, but I, I don't I'm just... think that they're in. Yeah. They're not in the interior where the dead people are. I think actually I mean, the main thing we would want to, because it's different to have somebody <clears throat> standing around in their Fea in Mandos compared to like when we had the spirits the appearing in episode one, right, in Middle Earth itself, right? And where right. we wanted to make the clear distinction between, no, that's a ghosty, spirity thing as opposed to, you know, a full color person, right? Mm-hmm. Um that distinction isn't going to be relevant in Mandos. And so I think, I think when be... I think of ghosts in Middle Earth, uh, I almost more think of the Barrow Whites than the the mm-hmm. Um and and when I always imagine that scene which is a very beautifully written scene, there you have that the whole bar barrows like da- uh, North Downs, what is it? The Barrow Downs, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, situation where you have the Tolkien uses that kind of uh, light over the different um, hills with fog and the very prominent, you know, westerly uh, hor- horizon, um, or is east, east probably in that case, um, and and then you go into the the barrow and that feeling of that bended light of that kind of eerie, um, not you can't quite focus that at least that that carries over to me into the barrow and. And Tolkien also uses like bended or or sort of unreal light or or on not just light of day. There you go, done. Um, right. So so maybe some something like that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. in the fog, of course, colors are tend to be a little bit muted when you further away. But I wouldn't go full black and white or right. Uh, right. So there's yeah, there's lots of ways of doing. You're in a different world now type of things with the lighting and you can do a sepia tone over overlay so that everything just is a little you can um like have everything just drenched in color so everything's just way brighter than it should be and you can go different directions with it but something in the visual and the lighting would clue the audience in that this is somewhere different we are not in like normal circumstances mm-hmm. here right yeah blue would be of course the easiest color for like you know the mm-hmm. curtain. <laughs> um <laughs> everything is sort of 
drenched in blue, a yeah. little tryst and a little uh, or melancholic that the support yeah. that you go to, but doesn't have to be. Yeah, no, I think that's great, and um, and I would. So I would. We're starting to digress a little bit here, but it's fun. Um, Mandos, wouldn't it be cool if um, I'm thinking the tapestries should be the only really colorful thing? I think those can be really vibrant because they depict life, the world, right? Everything. Um, And so the people, like everything, everything other than the tapestries could be very muted. I think should be very muted. Um, um, Nobody's going to be, yeah, like (laughs) festive, (laughs) right, in appearance in Mandos. Um, But the tapestries themselves could be quite gorgeous, actually. And that contrast, I think, could be could be interesting. Um, Not that all of them would be. And on the outside, life is vivid and and, and you're in there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. um, Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, uh, David, uh, Rob, uh, David, Michael Roberts in the chat, we had been talking about exactly that kind of thing, having um, the visual contrast when she casts off her shadowy cloak, um, that her something in her travel clothes underneath should probably be light enough colored that it is shining by comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay, good. So um, the last question, what about the disguises? Should we talk about that now or do you want to save that? We can save that till we get to the... Okay, we'll save that till we get there. Okay, Um, because we've got other things to talk about. We do. I I, I somehow accidentally trapped you on costumes for too long. Sorry. Well, that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. I know. What a shame that is, isn't it? To spend all this time on costuming, Marie? Um, These things happen. These things do happen. Yeah. So, okay. So props. Um, Finrod's bling. I agree. Finrod's bling is a big deal, isn't it? Um, In this season, I guess. In this season, it's a huge deal. We need the Nauglamir. Yeah, exactly. We need the Nauglamir. Which, of course, needs to be... um, It doesn't have like a Silmaril shaped hole in it, right? It's remade for it. But this has to be something that we imagine the Silmaril, you know, being attached to. Yes, the version of the Nauglamir that I made... Or the, the, the picture I drew, I didn't make an Anglomir. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> has like, has, um, it's, it's describing things. Um, basically, is a, is a little bit of a collar going down onto the shoulder situation. And here on the, on the, on the chest down, it has, uh, for Finrod, I imagine, some kind of, um, uh, encircled by, I, I, I think, had pearls that then went up. But in the middle, some sort of Arafinian sigil, sparkly sort of situation, where it's more like a maybe a, a, a coat of arms of for him in a very beautiful, sparkly way, and then that has a convenient shape where he could just take that out, put in a silver, silver. Right, right. Yeah. So that's what I did. But I, there are lots of things that you can do. You just have to. I think have a shape somewhere where without distract destroying the whole identity of the piece. You can yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Planning yeah. to up the upgrade it later is important to the design. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the only description that 
Tolkien gives us that I'm aware of is it is gold and that um, it has many jewels of Valinor. It's a carcanet right. or something. If, if someone, yeah. Which, which implies um, uh, uh, the something. collar piece. Yeah. I was going to say, um, this is um, in the mantle category of words I've never really understood. Um, carcanet. Um, so what's a carcanet? It's it's a it's a collar necklace ish it, it thing. Implies not just a string that uh, then comes to lie on on your chest. Right. Implies, I think, something going around the neck and maybe further. I don't know. Uh, that that's because I've googled this for for exactly these reasons, and that's what usually seems to be the. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also in the description, it says that the necklace isn't heavy, and so it sits very lightly um, right. on the person. And if it's gold and a lot of jewels, obviously it is heavy, so it has to be balanced in such a way that it is putting the weight on the shoulder and not just yeah. like hanging around your neck. So it, yeah, so some kind of collar type design would be good for it. Um, but it has to be beautiful is the main thing. It and, has to be beautiful. And I think... Um heavy not heavy can be a relative right term well. if it's if it's if it's extensive gold jewelry it's heavy right right but we're not talking about wrapper chain here we're talking of you know uh, it's it's in terms of heavy right it's it's it shouldn't look big and clunky it should look that, that's what i'm getting from saying that it's not heavy is that it's mm -hmm. delicate yeah. right yes yeah so it's yeah. somewhat delicate um and I know we had talked in season five or whenever the last time we talked about this was that um, we wanted to give it some kind of star motif, like constellations or something in the mm -hmm. pattern of the jewels so that when you add the Silmaril, it changes it, but it, it wasn't symmetrical to start with. Right. So it wasn't like it was a symmetrical pattern with a hole in the center and then you just plop the Silmaril in. Like right. it has to be reworked, but the, the asymmetrical pattern would make it, you could add the Silmaril and it would change it without destroying it. Also, if it looks in some sense like a field of stars mm -hmm. and then the Silmaril in it would look like Venus among the stars, that which was is kind the, of yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 That would be an, a foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. I like so, that a lot. Um. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. Um, yeah, so someone totally designed that for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would love to see. Would love to see that. Amalgamir quickly and put it behind my background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pop it up. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll save it for the for the session. Yeah, you should, you, we'll, we'll find we'll, it right we'll, now. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, that would be good. And there's a crown, right? Because he's got to have a crown to chuck down. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's a silver crown. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, according to the text, that's what we get. According to the text, he's got a silver crown. What yeah, um... probably doesn't have any jewels on, because um, Nargothrond is built post um, ban, right? Yeah. Well, so, but also he brought the most jewels, and I don't. Did. Yeah, but he no didn't way. mean he wore them all the he time. He saved him. He saved right, him. Which is I, why the Naglamir has so many jewels in it because he's got this pile of jewels with nothing right. better to do, and he's like, "Please, please use these." Um, right. So yeah, the crown could be simple without jewels if we wanted it to be. 
Does anybody have a sense of what the crown should look like? I I find myself resistant to the typical like yield um elf crown that looks like branches of or leaves or something, right? Mm. I'm thinking not a leafy crown. And and it just kind of sits on the like hugs the head essentially. Yeah, also also uh, Thron is by all it's stated in the text that it's like this fusion of Sindar and uh, dwarven and elven cultures and it's in that kind uh, unique in Beleriand at least in the, the, the part of Beleriand that we're often um, present and I would love to be that have that uh, represented where you can see that everything that's made in Nargothron is a little bit more fusion in style than than um, in Doriath or in Hitlum yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but he's definitely not a woodland king. So I mean, it's it's it would not have a woodland motif. I would not think. I mean, he's an older also. I've I've always imagined like the Noldor versus the uh, the the Sindar to be a little stylistically different. They've been apart mm-hmm. very long. So like roughly art Art Nouveau for the woodland people and Art Deco mm-hmm. for the Noldor, <laughs> like related but different, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Like that's just an example. You could have two styles that have similar, similar things, but but definitely recognizably different. Do we think? But we're thinking less rather than more, like not big crown. Well, I mean, I guess the first thing to ask is: is it more than a circlet? Right. That's exactly my question. I mean, a circle doesn't just have to be a you know a, a straight band across. It could have designs to it, or you know right. whatever. But but a circle is not quite a crown, right? I'm kind of thinking more than a right. circle. So more than a circle. So okay, so now we've got a whole structure of some sort. Oh, yeah, and you don't want to do intertwining branches or leaves or anything like that because it's not woodland. not a woodland king. Yes, but so it would have to have some kind of motif, even if it's just a geometric pattern. Um, symmetry probably would be a good thing. Yeah. He's the yeah. the, the only this... motif Tolkien gives us for Arafinwe is snakes. So yeah, <laughs> if you want to have exactly. two snakes coming up, but you know, could be a snaky want... crown. I mean, that would look that would start looking all Egyptian pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Which and that was the, my guy. next question with crowns is, do you want it to be higher in the front or higher in the back? So a I lot of Elvish like crowns are bigger in the front than they are in the back. It would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, although, wait, hang on. Um, what's his face? Thranduil's uh, Yeah, Thranduil's, I think, is... In, in, the, uh, in the Hobbit is, is bigger in the back than in the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, a Jeep. Well, going back up, and then you have like a thing here. That's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. any chance that the concept of him being Lord of Caves could be worked into his crown in some sense? I've been thinking about that. I mean, so I don't know matter- exactly how you do like the stalagmite crown, which would look, you know, not great necessarily, but um, not made yeah. of actual stalagmites, mind. But um, but if the, I mean Lord of Caves is his title, right? So yeah. I mean, well, I I was actually thinking of. Crown. I was actually thinking of um, like silver horizontal diamond shapes surrounding it on onyx. So essentially, it it shows 
and it could be like he could have like three big ones of those in the front denoting three entrances to to nargathron i mean it's it's relatively abstract but i think i think it would yeah it doesn't have to be be very literal anyway i'm just i'm just this is me throwing out random ideas not even ideas um just concepts i think there is a uh, there is a, a place where people can let their imaginations run pretty loose and then we can this would be a place where we go like concept artists please give me five ten whatever designs and we'll we'll see if anything right yeah but we don't have the luxury of course but yeah it would be right but it would be yeah, cool yeah, to get a bunch of submissions and then and then yeah. see what yeah. we like yeah yeah um also if we have a the question is if we have the ring of bara here is this like is is this sort of a suite of of jewelry that Feyenoord has made for him with the crown that sort of matches stylistically or are these things that are made over like centuries and like all I think my vote is for the latter and that's one of the reasons why I was thinking I think that they capture different things right the Nauglamir is designed to capture jewels of Valinor right it's all about the jewels of Valinor um Mm. the ring is his personal like this is about his this is like his crest Right. It's um, from his father. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So that's a, a, a more personal house crest situation. His crown. That's why I was thinking the crown could be in yeah. some way conceptually connected with the Lord of Caves. Right. I mean, it would have been made for him after he established himself in Nargothrond, presumably. Mm-hmm. Right. So he, now here we are in Nargothrond. I'm the Lord of Caves. Let's commission a Lord of Caves crown. Right. And that would have been, you know, the thing that they would have made. Um, uh, I like the idea, Katrin, of that kind of like stylistic fusion. It would not just be a pure Noldor thing. Um, that would be, that would be interesting. But, um, but yeah, no, I, so I, I think, um, so, I, so I, I don't think they're a matched set. I mean, they, they can't look horrible together. Right. Um, but, uh, but they would, uh, not that they're ever all three together. He's already lost the ring of bar here before he makes the now, well, given away the ring of bar here before he makes the Naglamir in our version of the story. Right. Pretty sure that's true. Um, so we'll yes, never actually see Finrod in all three. Season six, episode one, and the ring of bearer here is given away in season five, episode 13. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So, um, but in any case, um, certainly the crown and the Naglamir have to not look ridiculous uh, together. Um, and since the crown is silver and the Naglamir is gold, this is a challenge to make them look like they go together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yes, it will. Um uh, yes, it will. Um, now, the Ring of Bari here. Um, we've talked about this before, but we're just going to repeat our challenge um, that we don't think the Ring of Bari here has ever been depicted um, like as it's described, basically. The, I find the one in the Lord of the Rings f- uh, film, frankly, disappointing. Um, uh, and... Um, this is the description in the book, the shape of two serpents with emerald eyes, one devouring and the other supporting a crown of golden flowers. Um, and we don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the ring of bar here because we already talked about this in season five when we were discussing it uh, before, but I just want to reiterate our challenge. We would love to see um, there is, there is room for a better ring of bar here, which better captures what Tolkien is describing here. Um, and I would love to, I would love to, I would love to see some good versions of that. Now, other famous props. 
Um, Baron's Equipment, the Bow of Bregor and the Sword Dagmor, which he will lose in the Nand in Nandun Gortheb. So he's not going to have the, his sword when he... He's going to have his sword very briefly, right? Like in episode two, right? Well, he will uh, have had it. Through, at the end of, through episode three, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> from episode... 12 of season five five to episode three of of season six there are there's a lot of stuff that happens that suggests he does not have a sword right um in the you know the course of his journey Uh, at least after he leaves um tol syrian and tol and garhoth at the time i guess Uh, which of course that he would lose a sword at that point makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I just, I don't see any reason to hang on to it for another two, three episodes. You know. And it gives us a sense of loss leaving Nindungafeb. You know, or, or like a, a sense that something has happened. Right. Just just like Luthien chopping her hair off and going out into the world is going to signal that um, for Baron to lose his sword right before he enters Doriath, he's leaving the life of the outlaw behind. Mm-hmm. Right. And also it's in a way very in a vulnerable position where he's like mm. I'm just at this point basically trusting that I'm run- not running into another monster. Yeah. Right. He has a bow but he doesn't have a primary melee weapon and probably not any arrows to speak right. of right right he has a bow he presumably well um i was going to say presumably he could get some in in Nargothron, but then they're going to be in disguise right so right they're traveling as orcs for a time so yeah and whatever they have is going to be taken away from them at tom yeah. as nick pointed out so yeah he can temporarily get some things. He's obviously going to get angriest um, after that. And he's going to have a weapon on him when they do the hunt for the wolf. So something from Doriath for that. Later on in life, he's going to have to attack some dwarves. So he'll he'll, he'll get restocked on weapons as yeah, necessary. Yeah, down the road. But, but for most of the season, he's not going to be carrying around a sword. Right? Right. Probably not. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get Angrist, of course. Yeah. Um, did we talk about Angrist, which what it should look like? I know we we forged Angrist earlier on. Yeah. I don't think we kind of talked it through with any level. I, I actually would like Angrist to be like a Rondell dagger, um, which, it, I mean, it's, its status as a pry bar suggests a rather sturdy... Uh, yes. construction i mean yes. sure magic and whatnot but a, a rondel dagger makes perfect sense for that it's fantastic for punching through armor um and and so um yeah and we have to think, think of the purpose for which it was intended it was a gift well it was an extortion from <laughs> from yes. the dwarves right it yes. came with a little bit of a warning right I remember. Um, I, I remember. I, I don't remember yes. what we said so about Angus, Tel- but I yeah, remember so, it, we came yeah, up. So Telcar um, gives it as um, the first toll of Caranthir's toll road. 
Mm-hmm. Right. At Cape Hellebarn. And yes. the statement that is given with the knife is something like that it will serve you until you reach for something that's not yours kind of thing. Or it was something along those lines yeah. of yeah. it. Don't be too greedy. Right. Here, have this knife. And right. Karanthir is like, that sounded ominous. Here, Kurifin, you take the knife. <laughs> <laughs> you right. must take it. Right. Yeah. Not quite right. like that. But yeah, he does. He gets rid of it. So um, so that's how Kurifin ends up with Angrist in Siltom. And we're going to have Angrist obviously snap when Baron reaches for the second Silmaril. So yeah. the, the right. initial warning will pay off at the end. Right. Yeah, we were setting that up all along. Um Okay, so he's, um, so yeah, as uh, Arnorian is asking, Baron is going to go to invade Angband without a primary weapon. Yes. I mean, he could conceivably find something in, maybe, in the, I mean, he's going to recover his bow. He could get some weapon from. It works. So, you know, they can take whatever the orcs have. Yeah. Part of the issue here is, Keep in mind, he is a wolf. Wolf costume. For most of yeah. that journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard for a wolf to be carrying around a bunch of weapons. Yep. Yep. So if we, I mean, he's somehow going to have Angris at the end of that. So like, I don't know, when you turn into a wolf, I guess you keep whatever's on you. But. Does he have to, rec- does, he has his bow, which he has to uh, keep. Not at that point. He doesn't. Not at that point. Yeah. He loses the we bow have, by the time he gets to Tonga. established Lucian's backpack. We have. So Luthien can carry things in the backpack, but probably not a giant sword. Not a giant sword, but that that's what I'm saying. It's like we've got a bit of an issue with the Thuringwethel Draglu and disguises is it's not like bows or swords look like they fit with this. Not saying I mean it's all magic, so you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also the the sword need not be giant, just saying. Right. Well, Angrist is a tiny sword. Right. He has one very small <laughs> sword already. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, so it, it, is, it is curious what their plan was, right? Like, I'm going to take on the greatest fortress in the world with a knife. Well, I mean, on the one hand, that makes no sense. On the other hand, why not? I mean, you might as well. Like, it's not like a, it's not like a sword is going, oh, well, but now I have a sword. So now our, our odds are much better than they were. Yeah, you know, no. I mean... You're not going to yeah. get in and out by fighting, no matter what your right. weapon is. So right. I, I think that's the the obvious conclusion here is yeah. that he could grab something in Angband on the way out, because um, the fact that he it tries should. to confront Karkaroth with the Silmaril rather than with a weapon suggests that maybe he doesn't have a weapon. <laughs> like, do go both. away yeah. is not the move of somebody who has a perfectly good sword. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Although could, potentially that could look just as hopeless for a mm-hmm. weapon situation as well. Yeah, right? yeah. I personally would not want to. I mean, Sam, does this, sword. Uh, Sam has a dagger and the, the light, right? And he mm-hmm. does the two-handed. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that's pretty much the same as if Baron has a, a, yes. a thing to hit and the thing to protect. Yes. Like, no, I yeah. I think that that's a reference. I mean, I I think that Sam Gamgee presenting the file of Galadriel to Shelob is meant to recall Baron 
presenting yeah. the Silmaril to So to I think a two-handed Karkaroth. approach there is perfectly reasonable. And the last thing he does with him. two hands. That's right. That's, we, we might as well give him a two-handed approach as it is his last chance. <laughs> that isn't it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so he can grab something on his way out. And I know that um, somebody wanted to keep that reference to uh, Baron having the kitchen knife from uh, <laughs> kitchens in England, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. I don't think we need, he, they wanted a kitchen knife, but it was the, can he please like grab something when they're running through Angband in reference to grabbing the, the kitchen, kitchen knife? knife. Yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I'm always down for like a, a weird, like a tale of Tenuvio callback. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I know there was a request like that we fire that pit. They have a, something roasting there and just grabs the skewer. <laughs> yeah. The carving knife. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, just like a big, a big cleaver. Right. You know, yeah. Like, because we've established that, that Morgoth feeds Karkaroth from his hand in passing by, a, a haunch of meat there <laughs> there in the throne room and so yeah he does feed him with his own hand it's true it's true mm-hmm. that, that would be pretty like i'm cutting you down with the with the thing that the boss uses to give you your food that's mm. yeah. oh i don't think that that morgoth is personally like slicing the meat i'm just well, yeah, but or your servants are, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the extension yeah. of Morgoth is the, that t- if the tool is associated with feeding Karkaroth, then maybe don't like come at Karkaroth that because then he just bites your hand off. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then again, maybe if you're barren and under that situation, you don't think that through totally, you right? You, you know, yeah. you might not even know that that uh, you know particular yeah, exactly. haunch of meat is intended for Karkaroth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, no, I, I love the Tale of Tenuvio reference. We can totally do that. Um, we talked about Dairon's instrument, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to be playing some kind of flute, yep. flute or recorder-ish thing. Yeah. 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 Something. Something. Okay. That'll something be his... that's a pipe. My, my vote was for not a bagpipe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, past Which that, is... I, I don't have a preference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, we talked a little bit about Luthien Spindle and Loom in the treehouse, mm-hmm. right? That those were going to be more sort of native <laughs> to the tree. The um, loom, yeah. She was going to yeah. construct a loom out of tree branches or some such. And yeah. then the spindle would be the one thing that the one tool she has with her to do her, her thing. Right. Yeah, this will like obviously visually based challenge i think it can be ameliorated if during that scene you're not uh, showing a lot of masters where you know the whole thing is shown and people can go like is that how a loom works and we have more like focus on you know maybe pulling a strand of hair somewhere down attaching it you can see the hands you can see uh, uh, light going through the, the the strings of hair, you know, where you get with all the um, manga does this very much. Like in 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 comparison to to Western comic, where they don't do a lot of like overview shots, and they give you a lot of little pieces through a whole page, and your mind just puzzles together what's happening mm-hmm. organically and fills in everything between. And and I think that would be good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Also, my mo- my grandmother has a big loom, so I could 
visit her. Visit her anyway. Right. You know, so, yeah, cool. Take a few photo references. Visit your grandma. That's it. Hmm? Visit your grandmother anyway. Anyway, I, I, I yeah, I'm not saying. Um, but <laughs> yeah. but I usually don't. I'm I'm not usually not like grandma. Can I also see the loom? Because. <laughs> I'm very happy to see you, grandmother, but (laughs) would you mind kindly moving out of the way so I can play around with your room? (laughs) That's right. I'm here to take pictures, not of you, but of the I'm here to go to the basement to see the (laughs) loop. Yes. Yes. Well, I want to, before we move on, I want to address that there's been some uh, uh, discussion and debate. Um, Arnorian is asking about basically, but I think it's important because it's going to matter for later. What's going to happen to Morgoth's crown? Um, The Silmarils are set on the front. Is the, is, is he going to be cutting through the steel of the crown, the iron of the crown? Um, In other words, like uh, Morgoth post Baron and Luthien is Morgoth's crown going to look the same, but with one Silmaril popped out or is it going to have part of it sliced off? With the description of Angris that can cut steel as if it's wood, it would it open the possibility that you can actually just, which would mean then that Baron would be holding not just a gem in his hand, but like piece o iron crown with Silmaril set in it still, right in his hand. Um, at that point, I think it depends how the Silmaril is set in. Like, is it stuck? Did in we ever entirely? show that? The Iron we don't crown? have a visual for our show. Yeah. yeah. But, or are there prongs that are holding it into? Because if there's prongs, you just need to pry off the prongs and then the gem falls out. So presumably you can Iron cut through the prongs. prongs. How I've imagined it, at least. Iron is, is pretty ductile it, with even a regular steel blade. You could probably do it. Right. Yeah. But again, now, granted, the, the, it's Morgoth's I, crown. It's Morgoth's mm-hmm. crown. And it's Angrist. Like, we don't want to underplay Angrist. Right. Like, it's a big no. deal. It's yeah, supposed no, to be a showing, big deal. Showing it cutting in a way that is surprising is probably a good plan. Here. That is unusual. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, it's the, the, the sense always has been like this dagger, which has this capacity to cut, you know, this, this extraordinary dagger, which has the ability to cut steel, is given to Baron, like, to be the perfect tool for the job that he has to do, which is to cut the Silmarill out of the... So I, I actually wouldn't want Baron to acquire the gem in a way that you could do with any old dagger. Right. right. So what if what he does is, whether it's channel set or prong set, he jams the dagger in, like, in underneath the jewel and rotates it so that it does both, Right. It both pries and cuts through the it, the metal this way because, like, I can't imagine seeing him saw, like trying to cut through the iron itself, like the like the side of the crown to get at the jewel. Like that just doesn't seem like the best it, way to do it. it so wouldn't anybody unless you had Angrist. If yeah, you but, had well, Angrist, why would anybody even that... think to do that first? He would just he would discover this about the night. He, I mean, we wouldn't have to again. We wouldn't have to show him being like, "Hey, wow, this dagger has the ability to cut metal in a way that's quite unusual for daggers." Um, like, but he could easily have discovered that so that he knows what he's carrying when he gets to the throne. By the time he gets to the throne room, right. and is like, I, I, yeah. I agree that he can know what his knife does, but 
I also think that you want to show someone prying the jewel out, not like hacking the crown up. Like I, the goal I, I is to break the crown. Like a little can openery in the way that Nick described where it goes around and it actually cuts whatever is holding it in off a little. But I think also to to have the suspense factor, like if I'm imagining Baron hunched there over Morgoth, like I would imagine someone who's trying to make the least amount of noise possible and the least amount of right. physical alteration possible. And is really trying to surgically peel the little bit of metal that's holding the Silmaril. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. it's like a bit of metal overlapping, not just prongs. And all that bit of metal can be like shaved off or something. Right. Yeah, well, and that's it why is I true say that the second it... time the knife has to break. So there right. does have to be some kind of tension on the knife that would lead it right. to break. Right. So that's why I'm saying, like, having him jam the knife in behind the jewel and and, and rotating in that leverage both cuts through the the iron, but also pries the jewel free. Um, and then when he tries it the second time, it snaps. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay, that works. So here's another little artistic challenge then. I would love to see before and after shots of Morgoth's crown. Love to see that. Um, and we, we can decide whether or not, I mean, again, I, and I, I leave this to the discretion of the visual artist. Like, what does Morgoth do with his crown afterwards? Does he fix it? Um, you know, does he, I mean, I think it's going to be obvious that the third Silmaril used to be there and isn't there anymore. Um, but it, that doesn't necessarily mean that Morgoth leaves a raggedy hole or something, you know. Um, but anyway, I, I'd love to see a before and after uh, shot of the Iron Crown. Yeah, I think we had said that the Iron Crown was the last thing we saw Morgoth make. Is that true? Cause he's, Physically make, yes. Yeah, because he's going to just corrupt things that exist from here on out was the idea. Yes. Yeah. But then he has to like invent dragons. So I was like, I wasn't sure if that was actually the last thing he did, but we were going to try to make that be the last. Yeah. No, thing. certainly the last thing we suggest or, you know, to show, show him quasi crafting. show. Yeah. Meaning we didn't have him make Grand. We had Sauron make Grand and give it right. to him. You know, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So if so, leaving the crown jagged or broken and not fixed would maybe be a sign of Morgoth's decline. Yeah. That he's not. Right, making things anymore. It's not like yeah. he makes himself a new crown for the Silmarils. Exactly. No, I, he definitely doesn't make himself a new crown. And I think it's, yeah, you know, that, that, that would be cool. And which Silmaril is it that Baron pries out? I think it's, right. I think it's a side crown. I think it's a side one. Yeah, not why would anybody one? go for the middle one first? And not only that, but again, I'm thinking about the after picture. I want Morgoth to look lopsided afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like, right, because if he still had two with a jagged, that, that well, that first of all, then he's going to look like he's got headlights, which is going to be right. weird enough, right? But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but it, it would, but, but I mean, it should, I mean, the asymmetry <laughs> would show like, yeah, it's it's screwed up. He's already limping, so it could could be yes, exactly. It'd be like a visual limp. Yeah, which side, left or right? Which side is his bad foot? Yeah, which side is his bad foot? Um, it's like then you could start having also shooting Morgoth from it, two different okay. sides. It's the dark profile and the light profile, where it's like I I don't know what if the text 
states this, but mechanically it would almost certainly have to be his left foot that's injured unless he's left-handed um, because that would be the foot most naturally to place upon the neck of somebody you were about to hit with a giant with your right hand mace. yes yeah. yeah absolutely right absolutely right um yep yeah so it's probably his left foot um if baron's right-handed it would probably go for the right hand one facing out so it'd be morgoth left hand Silmaril, that would be gone. If if we're thinking convenience for Baron, it would probably would be that, right? Well, that depends probably how Morgoth is lying down. <laughs> oh, he would probably go down on his bad side first, which would mean that He'd be his lying left, left side. So side. the right, the right is his crown on or off? Out. Does the crown come off? I think the crown comes off. Yeah, the crown comes off. Like Baron's oh, okay, holding so the crown. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 yeah, because the oh, what yeah. wakes him is when it, the knife snaps the 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 tip. Oh, the, the yeah, the shard of the knife. So yeah, the crown, like, because mm. it, it basically says he kind of like collapses like a mountain, like a yeah. landslide, right? He like slumps he, down. He's, to the he's just going yeah. down. So yeah. when he does the, it's and it's the weight of the crown that's pulling him down. So the the crown comes off when mm. he comes um, down with okay. a really loud. It does not make a tinkling sound when it hits the the. I mean, it would be a loud clank. Iron on stone. So when we so <laughs> so when we do the when we do the special effect, you got to do what they did for the ring in Lord of the Rings. Exactly, put like, like a magnet. In it, so boom, boom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We want to we want a, a louder than should be sound when the crown of Morgoth hits 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 the ground, um, and um, yeah. Okay, so but um. So yeah, Catron, I like the idea of having him, like the the the, no Silmaro on his left side matching his limp on his left leg, as well. That's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. Yeah, okay. It's like he he's he's tried to keep up this facade as the glorious king of Middle Earth and Beleriand and everything, and now at least one of the sides, you know, he's still trying, but it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's cool. Okay. So we don't have much time to talk about locations, but let's think about, um, let's just think about a few things here. We talked about the Halls of Mandos. Hey, good. We did that one already. Um, Hero Lorne. We kind of talked about that before, right? We've got the, the beech tree with three bowls and kind of coming up and making a cage itself. And that's where she's going to be. Right. So we're not, mm. she's not going to be in literally in a tree house. Um, and so I get, we, I think we, sorry, Ted. Yeah, I know. Exactly. It's okay. It's okay. Um, we've got the, um, yeah, yeah. We've got the pot of evil. I think we've got that envisioned pretty clearly. Um, what, um, what are um, what are um, Finrod and Baron's digs like? What what are the what are the what are the dungeons in Tulsirian like? I'm so glad you asked. We spent a lot of time figuring that out. <laughs> I imagine, I imagine, because it's not like Sauron designed them, right? And how that scene looks is kind of important to like how that setting looks is how kind of important. Um, so okay. Marie, you're gonna probably gonna have to help me out because my memory on this is a little spotty. So essentially, you walk into uh, what was probably some sort of um, brain storage or something like that, 
and you're walking on this this walkway and to your left and right uh to your left and right there would be these chambers that go down and they are deep enough that you can't jump out without uh the assistance of a ladder so right? these are pits and pit, pit, pits in the floor yes so we basically put a bunch of oubliettes yes into they weren't originally meant to be oubliettes. They were just for store storing grain. Yes, right. they were for storing grain or something. But now they're oubliettes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Werewolf is jumping into the pit? Right. So the idea was we wanted some way for the werewolves to attack without having the orc standing there opening the gate to let the werewolf in kind of dynamic. We wanted the werewolves to be able to jump and attack and surprise without. And the I did like burning eyes of the werewolf, you know, like the werewolf peeking mm-hmm. up over, you know, coming up over the edge of the, right. like, would be scary. Right. So that werewolf is just there and there's nothing between the prisoners and the werewolf. That was yeah. the idea is to remove cool. the bars and get rid of any kind of barrier. And so mm-hmm. the werewolf just jumps into the pit and now you're in an oubliette with a werewolf. So good luck. Also, that sense of, like, the thing above you having mm-hmm. that kind of tactical advantage over you is more scary. Like, you feel more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, when Shelob is overhead and Frodo's below and doesn't know she's there. That's yes. the most terrifying part of the whole Shelob sequence. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. Right. No, that <laughs> makes perfect sense. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and are, so are Finrod and Baron in the same oubliette? Right. We're going to put them in the same one. Now, they're not going to start out that way. But Thuring Gwethel's going to figure out who Baron is based on the Ring of Bear here. Uh-huh. And once she knows who it is, she's like, oh, I've got unfinished business with this person from Dorthonian. So then he gets rehoused with um, Finrod. And right. the rest of the Oubliettes get picked off one at a time. No, that's cool. So I just realized another thing that's really kind of awesome, actually. If some of the other elves um, are in other Oubliettes, You'd just hear the screaming and you wouldn't yeah. be able to see at all what, what happened. happened. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. So we can have it in darkness. We can have this, you know, terror from above. There's no barrier between you and the scary thing. There's a lot you can work with in that yeah. setting. So we tried really hard to make the setting work for the scenes. Yeah. We... Like that a lot. Yeah. We, we very... came, we ran into a lot. Like every time we would try to describe what the place looked like, we ran into issues of one sort of another like you know if there's doors but is this werewolf opening the door that's going to look a little weird yeah. and you know it also slows down the the approach right and so yeah 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 agreed are they chained to the wall of the oubliette yeah yes so they're manacled mm-hmm. to the wall okay mm-hmm. it's because that's what finrod is going to burst his bonds and and that's right okay gotcha. right. and so that also kind of ex- answers the question of why did Finrod break his chains to save Baron and didn't do that for any of the other guys who were getting killed? And we've explained it as they're in a pit. They don't even have a chance to Until it's too late. They can't see. Yeah. Right. You hear the guy screaming and he's already dead. Like, whereas with the wolf that comes for Baron, Finrod can react. So hopefully it's slightly more understandable to the audience why Finrod is doing what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's a great solution. I think that's very clever. I like that a lot. Um, 
and it and it also of course it fits the other character the other criterion which is it has to work as an elvish construction like there can't just be like a, a cunningly sadistic dungeon <laughs> built into yes. to, to this tower because there wouldn't be um, now I mean, he's had some chance to redecorate of course but uh, but he's like, been busy though he's been busy to that point how does the throne room throne room look under Sauron because it's going to be relatively present in the season and also the canvas for the song battle right mm. so we have also discussed a little bit how the song battle might look but not yet extensively and yeah. there's like a little bit of to and fro of how how much are these visions that are conjured up how much are they like i personally would think it would be nice if you could still feel the throne room Right. Right. Sorry, I'm laughing at uh, Dennis's suggestion that the prison door could have had a little doggy flap uh, to yeah. let the werewolves in. So, yeah. um. <laughs> also another valid solution to the problem. Um, definitely. Perhaps Whether a little not... bit less viscerally scary. <laughs> right. What? It might not have done everything we wanted in the scene, but yeah, technically it works. Yes. <laughs> right. So our desire was essentially to create a chase sequence through the song battle to make it more dynamic so that Finrod's not essentially really just standing across from Sauron in the throne room. Um, we, we were really trying to avoid that mm-hmm. scenario as we discussed when we, yeah, we, we, talked, we talked about, about this the a good bit yeah. in the magic yeah. in the magic thing, Absolutely. but my biggest, yes. my biggest question, which again, as Katrin was saying in the sort of our transition when because Catherine you brought this up when we were talking about Sauron's opportunity for redecorating right um how much is he going to have redecorated how will Sauron have redecorated the throne room um is he going to redo it is he is he going is does he not care is he going to redo it in um in, in and 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 how would he redo it what would tell me about Sauron's internal decorating interior decorating choices, right? When he says, like, I want to, I want to give this, you know, this, this, this tower is my new stronghold. Um, you know, it needs a new look. What kind of look does he give it? Generally speaking. I mean, yeah. the whole problem is, of course, that Liv Lathians, who is very, is a very weird rebranding for Sauron, all things considered, like, it is. Some- he has werewolves in every corner. Suddenly there are bats flying but, around. Rebranding is exactly what's going... He's branding himself for the first time. And as Senalisha points out, the fact that he steals all the black horses from Rohan shows that he absolutely cares about stylistic motifs. <laughs> right? Third age Sauron. Right, so exactly. So, and, and, but exactly. So. The point is that he has an aesthetic. The guy has an aesthetic (laughs) and he sticks with it, right? His aesthetic might have changed for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is, and and this is the first time he's branding himself, right? Mm -hmm. Ever. This is, this is Lord Thu. I mean, he also likes Kirith Angle in green entirely, apparently. Or is that just a movie? (laughs) No, no, there's a, there's a weird pale glow in in Venus Marble. He likes mood lighting. (laughs) right right well and he's got the i mean he's he's doing the through the necromancer thing so is Mm -hmm. he gonna go like i'm going full necromancer here like i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna that's that's my theme my theme is like you know some people you know have lots of like 
uh, you know, little owls or whatever. Other people choose turtles, right? And he's like, no, I'm I'm going for the death theme, right? I want like I want skulls, Werewolves, full goth Sauron, right? Yeah, full goth Sauron. Yeah, let's let's say this is the goth stage for Sauron. And, yeah, uh, yeah, answer. <laughs> yeah, and he just tell anyone about my goth phase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I, has I... a goth phase, and and Sauron is this is obviously it, right? I mean, if Sauron has a goth phase, this is totally it. But I don't think he should just be like, I'm going for the black, dark, evil lord, mm-hmm. like. Not necessarily, right? I mean, because remember, like, through the necromancer means to him something different than it, you know, it's not just a, you know, goth skulls and black makeup kind of deal, right? Necessarily. No, no, no. And and that's that's where we get to ease into things with Sauron. But in the light of Lathian, he's not easing into it he's he's pretty comfortable in who he is um in that story so the question is how much of that do we retain and capture or how much of it do we make him feel awkward and uncomfortable and not quite filling the shoes that he's trying to fill like Mm -hmm. where do we put him on that and you can keep the exact same dialogue the question is how sincere is the guy saying the dialogue does he yes. believe it about himself do other people believe it about him like at what level is this like what is this guy doing <laughs> yeah 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 i i think when he in the third age in mirkwood has his little necromancer undercover thing it should absolutely invoke sue like he's mm-hmm. basically just taking the old decorations out of the closet putting them up in <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dusting yeah, them off. So. Yeah. I, um he, he would be though though I think we should be able to tell there's there's a difference, right? By the time he gets to the third age, he's in right, a different whole, place. Right. The whole Dol Goldor situation is a different situation, but yeah, he's a different person. He's much further along this path. Um and so here as, I feel like he should he should come across as play acting a little bit here. <laughs> He's he's dressing up yes. as a necromancer. Here. He is. I mean, he he's is. Dressing... He's dabbling in necromancy too, but he's dressing up for the part of I'm an evil dark lord. Mm-hmm. And Without like, yeah. Arya, though, Halloween party. Yeah, this is the yeah. Halloween version of <laughs> yes, and what he and will later become. As um, uh, as Arnorian says, uh, he's in Dogold or he's through part two. Right. Which yeah, sounds yeah. like an episode title to me. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, just, just saying. Um, but also, as uh, Arnorian was asking, he's still beautiful. Right. I mean, he looks however he wants to look. He looks however so, he wants to look, but he certainly can look face. beautiful. He could, but like goth beautiful. Right. Right. Hot you know, goth like, is what we're talking I, about here. I almost imagine something like um, in book Dracula, of course, book Dracula is older, but uh, this kind of um, almost kind of aristocrat, but weird feeling yep. that you get in book Dracula when when um, yep. um, when Jonathan stays at the, it's like kind of weird. It's all, it's very, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of, obviously, hello, I'm Dracula with the red cape, but Right. But invoking kind of that menace, but in a very fancy, in a fancy way, you know, in a lot yep. of yep. fancy menace. Agreed. I think that's, I think that's where Sauron is at this point in his life. Yeah. I mean, yep. of course, Sauron should be. <laughs> Sauron right. And menace, not because he's like 
I'm evil. That's who I am, right? But because he's he's saying, what is he trying to say with his look? He's trying to say, I am to be taken seriously, right? Yes. I am powerful. Um, I am powerful because the necromancy is all about power. Like he's found mm-hmm. a power source, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and we've, <clears throat> we've shown him to be the underdog in the struggles against Gothmog to a point. He's won a lot of their recent conflicts, so he's no longer. But still, in underdog. a very underdoggy way, yeah. Yeah, he he was an underdog. He was an underdog, but he kept winning. He kept winning. He kept showing up, Gothmog. He's like, I'm better than the Balrogs. I'm smarter than the Balrogs. So now he's got his own place, and he's like, Look at me, I'm the guy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. he's not trying to be evil Dark Lord, but he is trying to be like, take me seriously. Right. Right. I am. I am setting myself up to be a power. To use mm-hmm. a uh, to use a, a, a tree beard phrase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and also wolf motifs, right? He is as oh, yeah. uh, um, somebody Dennis was reminding us, Lord of Werewolves is still one of his main things there. Um, this in, is the uh, Isle of Werewolves, yeah. This is the Isle of Werewolves. He's the Lord of the Isle of Werewolves. So he's got. So we so we're going for death. We're going for power we're going for wolf motif also worked into that um love me but take me uh, take me seriously but also maybe love me right and admire me um i'm trying like what does his look say is what i'm is what i'm trying to figure right and i think that that sounds all right yeah yeah okay so somebody somebody have fun with some interior decorating of interior decorating and costuming right i mean when they are brought before him like what's he what's he look like right you know through the necromancer needs an outfit yeah Mm -hmm. we need we need we need we need we need the new thoo uh here so um (laughs) yeah yeah awesome Mm -hmm. cool okay yeah boy it's getting late but that's good but that yeah that um I don't think there are other major... I think those are the major locations. We do have some things that we did establish before. Tarn-Iluin, Tulsirian. Um, um, yeah, good. We already talked about what does it look like when transformed into Tol and Garahoth. We got that. Um, Nandungorthab would also be nice. Nandungorthab, yeah. We talked right. a lot about the visual, visualization before, I think. Yeah, we've gotten some of that. We haven't done Arid Gorgoroth, so some sense of like... Spider infested Arid Gorgoroth as well as Nendon Gortheb itself. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so, Marie, you have some suggestions of things we'd like to see. Something like Millian's Grotto, the heart of her magic and where the girdle originates. That would be really nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And we've yeah, seen we it have... before, but I don't think we've ever, anybody's ever yeah, seen it. Yeah, we've yeah. set scenes there, but. Right. Yeah, visual art. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> right. It would be nice to see. So yes, yes, more, more, more invitations. I won't say challenges because that makes it sound like I'm daring people or, or whatever. No. But invitations to visual artists would love to see um, your ideas about the inside of Menegroth and especially about Melian's Grotto um, and Nargothrond. More about what Nargothrond looks like on the inside and th- and and Finrod's throne room. Um, what is Morgoth's throne room? look like um we haven't really depicted that either and we should um mm-hmm. so another uh, that's another thing i'd really love to visualize what is what is thingle's throne room look like when they're mm. i was already making an assumption 
when I was talking about walking down an aisle, right? Um, which I do imagine. Um, I guess like that betrays the fact that in my own imagination, it's like this vaulty, echoey cavern that they're walking down surrounded by people. Um, and yeah. it's a long walk, right? So you see Thingol a long ways away. And he's so tall, you can see him really far away anyway, right? But then you've got to watch. Because so, uh, I've always kind of, uh, in my own imagination, heaped up the the sort of the, 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 the dread and the just the time of, like, people staring at you and, like, coming before. The, you can't just, like, come around the corner and there you are standing in front of Thingol, right? I mean, it's got to be, like, a gradual approach up to Thingol. At least that's how that scene always really struck me. Right. But maybe somebody has a different mental picture of that and wants to show us that. Um, yeah. I mean, Catherine, as you suggested before, what we would love is the equivalent of being able to get a whole bunch of concept art from people. Um, mm. you know, if we, uh, if we had, um, you know, the actual infinite budget that we pretend we have for this, what we'd have is a crew of, you know, a hundred artists, drawing concept art pictures all the time um, mm. and we would be choosing from among them. That's exactly the kind of thing we would love to do um, at the, at our next, you know, our season ending, it won't be the very end of the season necessarily, but at the thing we'll do towards the end of the season, when we come back to the art, um, would love to see concept art, costume art, location art, um, uh, prop art of in various different media. It would be, uh, it would be, it would be really cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. yeah, that's I mean, the, 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 the thing is, this this is, of course, the most decentralized and individual thing. So I think every we've had big variations of, in all the seasons of what came back, how much came back from from where and what yeah. what topics. And I think that in a way, was probably the, the thing that's going to stay the most decentralized from all the departments. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so we have, um, oh wait, other scenes of interest. Oh yeah. Storyboarding. Oh man, that would be cool to get more storyboarding of mm-hmm. some, some important scenes. Um, especially ones that we spend a lot of time talking about when we're doing those episodes. That would be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, even if it was basically ba- just basic storyboarding, like not shot for shot, just even if it was just scene for scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, a storyboard can be everything from like three pictures, four pictures de- depicting yeah. a shot that you think is particularly cool or mm-hmm. meaningful to like a full scene or like, as Nick said, also like right. three scenes that come after each other and how those play into each other. It can be very different in pacing. Right. And storyboards also don't have to be like each Square doesn't have to be elaborately drawn, right? I mean, uh, a, a full scene storyboard with essentially stick figures can be really evocative and, and fascinating to to look at and think about. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be cool. Um, anyway, yeah, all of that stuff would be great to have. I know we have a few examples, uh, Catherine, of some of your stuff that we can look through. Um, so you were thinking about some Luthien stuff. Uh, um, we didn't talk about Luthien's hair cloak and what it should look like. How did we not talk about that with as long <laughs> as we spent talking about Luthien's costuming? Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, you've got some different ideas of different um, kinds of uh, uh, garments that she would wear and 
themes and ideas. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for the first one, I the, the first thing, this was mostly the hair, where I imagined that you could have a lot of contrast between her, like properly or nicely done up styles, the open hair cloak, um, the, the, the short hair for the travels, maybe the whatever she has at the end of the season, like that display a full range of mm-hmm. states she's in and environment she's adapting to. Right. Yeah. And and, and the, similarly with the clothing, I mean, there's also a big range of like, we of things that could be done. Like there's no one thing. I personally, I love patterns. I love different shapes interacting with each other in clothing. Mm-hmm. I love layers. So I tried different things. Um, so there isn't, so there's not essentially just one silhouette um, governing the <laughs> the clothes but um yeah i mean there's with clothes there's always a million things you can do yeah so, yeah right. <laughs> i see marie nodding and smiling happily in response to that observation <laughs> yes there are a million things absolutely now the um the bat fell is a yes. really interesting we didn't talk much about that we've talked about that before in the magic discussion and everything um and but, in the context um, of Thorin Gwethel wearing it, too. Thorin Gwethel, we've, talked, Gwethel, about yeah, it, we've, we've yeah. talked about it, yeah. Yeah, uh, Yeah. there I just did want to observe that um, it is not un-Tolkienian. Some visual things are quite weird. Like, we have generally observed that Tolkien is spare with, is sparish with, how do you say uses them sparsely the visuals yeah. are like doesn't just throw visuals on screen on on the page and you're like processing all of that but he more evokes images mm. but sometimes he starts to give you images like tom bombadil or like um uh the the Tevilto's kitchen or whatever even though that's not canon strictly whatever canon is but you know he has that tendency where he gives you very fairy tale like imagery and i think it's hard to bridge that gap, but I think it would be cool if in Silver from time to time there is some kind of magic where it goes, oh, wow, I, I didn't know this was in the, in the world, but it's, mm-hmm. it's very like, very cool. Yeah. And bridging that gap is, of course, hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, that's very cool. That's very cool. I agree. There's a lot of... Uh... Um, and this actually, so this question, how visually weird does film film want to be, I think is a great question that I would love to return to with the help of some concept art, right? Mm. You know, I, that it's, it's really so hard. That's f- okay. That's okay. Not that. No, yeah. Too far, too far, but that's kind of cool. I mean, I'm sure that people will come up with ideas that I would never possibly think of. And I would love to be able to see some different possibilities and, return to that question with some concrete examples and see if we can figure out, um, you know, a way that we would like to, that we would like to do it. Um, that's very cool. Um, so Catherine, this is your one example of some storyboard stuff, right? Yes. That was the last one. And here I've, this is not yet in a particular order. It's just me collecting shots that I Mm -hmm. can see so far. And I've also, the, the reason why it's a little more painterly is because I'm also trying to figure out the atmosphere and the, the mood of the scene. So the stick figure thing works mostly if you're trying to figure out shots, like what is shown, like which frame is shown, which perspective is shown, etc. And 
um, here I'm also trying a little to figure out how would we like it, how, you know. Um, yes, and, and it's basically just Luthien, the, the, the treehouse escape is supposed to be when it's done. But yes. right now it's, it's more a mood board for a storyboard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but this is, I, I love, um, I love storyboards. I think storyboards are really, really fun. Um, mm. If um, my, uh, in my mind, like the ultimate, like finished product of film film, right? <laughs> yeah. Would not realistically be <laughs> a film production, but it could be scripts and storyboards, which would mm. be awesome. Like that would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, storyboards are, of course, very um, time intensive because they're almost comics. But yes. as I said, they're also, you can produce them in varying pacing. You don't, yes. as with comics. And to varying have, levels of degree. They don't have to be full comic book illustrations. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And you have don't have to maintain one pace throughout the whole thing, right? You don't have to say it has to feel like a continuous narrative. It has to be a little bit utilitarian if you just have a scene of them you know, um, you, over the shoulder cuts, you yeah, can just right. say, we do this for the next minute and right. drop two, bo- two bobbleheads. There you go. Right. Cool. Very good. Well, thank you for those kind of examples and illustrations of, of the, both for the art itself. And we'll talk about some of those things in more detail when we uh, come back to stuff at the end of the season. But those are great sort of illustrations of the kind of thing as well. All right. Um, well, now I did not forget that we're doing a drawing. Drawing has been open like the entire time. So I will remind folks who arrived late um, that on Twitch we're doing a drawing and we're giving away a free space token. So if you're on our Twitch chat, if you're not, you can still get there. Um, go to twitch.tv slash signumu. Um, and if you are in Twitch, then you can uh, just type exclamation point raffle and you will be entered into the drawing, um, which I will close in just a second. So I'm going to give you this chance to do that while I tell you what's happening next. So our next session is going to be on Thursday, December 8th. So we're going to be three weeks from now instead of two weeks from now. Um, We're going to have a little disruption to the schedule, but not too much. So our next session will be on December 8th, and we'll be discussing episode five. So episode five is the Nargothrond. We're getting to Nargothrond, right? Um, From Baron's arrival to Nargothrond to Luthien's escape from Nargothrond? Or no? No, no. no. Luthien will be That's in six. the Treehouse for episode five. Right. So Treehouse so, and Nargothrond. Yeah. 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 So um, but the, the abdication is in... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So okay. Finrod and company are leaving Nargothrond at the end of episode five. Right, right, right. Okay. So that's what we have coming up here um, in... Um, uh, what we have coming up here in episode... Five, which is what we'll be talking about on the 8th of December. And the next script discussion, which is episode 10, you guys are being so good, staying way ahead of things there, um, is going to be on Friday, December 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So, um, and Marie, um, uh, remind folks where people, how people can navigate to find uh, the discussion boards, where is the best place for them to post? If they do concept art and want to send it to us, what's some, what's the best way for them to do that? Right. So it's forums.signumuniversity.org, right? Org. Yeah. I think. 
sounds yeah. right. Forms.signumuniversity.org, and then right. uh, yep. So then and there's film film, and then you can if you have something for um, the props or the setting, you can put it there. If you have something for costumes, there's a section for that. So whatever your art is, whether it's locations or whatever, um, just put it in the right place, and you can start a thread for the topic if there's not one already there in cool. under season six. So anything that's in the season six. Uh, a subform for any of those topics that's what's going to be used to collect the images for the for the final thing at the end neat awesome yeah and feel free if you um i would i think it would be cool to discuss even if you don't have the chance to like do a drawing if you don't have the chance or perhaps the talent to do a drawing if but if you had like some concrete ideas that you wanted to suggest you could post those there as well yeah um, yeah it's for discussion of all these things and yeah. so like for locations we usually post images of scenes from around the world of like oh this could be like this or that so you don't have to draw something to contribute it um mm-hmm. yeah it just yeah it's a discussion of visuals yeah, right. Also, of course, it's 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 always nerve nerve wracking to post something unfinished. But if it's not like intended for the finished thing, also a very simple sketch can help mm. to convey something that you might write, like paragraphs like this. Right. As long as everyone understands mm-hmm. that it's not supposed to be pretty yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people have even done Minecraft builds to illustrate things it's true it's true i seem to remember minecraft nargothrond uh yes. at some point yes yes, yes. absolutely um okay cool so yeah so uh, the, 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 uh, an apartment building in gondolin yes yeah, yeah. which is exactly. definitely the more time consuming of all of those <laughs> by quite a bit <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the script discussion is on Friday, the 2nd of December, Arnorian. Yeah. At 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay. All right. So I'm going to do, um, before I, before we go, I'm going to do the drawing. Okay. And. Hey, JJ is the winner. Congratulations, JJ. All right. Um, uh, so JJ, send a, an email to info at signumu.org and we'll get you connected. So congratulations, JJ. Um, all right. Don't forget, folks, uh, this Saturday, uh, the 19th of November at 1 p.m. Uh, is uh, the um, the big event at Signum for our fundraising uh, finale there starting at 1 p.m. Uh, to tune in for my State of the University address and then moving forward, bunches of updates and features uh, for a lot of things that are going on at Signum University. It's going to be a fun day. Um, and uh, so that'll be 1 p.m. on Saturday. Definitely want to invite you to that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, everybody. Katrin, special thanks to you for joining us. And Again, double special thanks for getting up at four in the morning uh, to join us there from Switzerland. <laughs> Serious dedication. Really appreciate it. I hope you'll be able to join us again for our uh, our art discussion later on uh, at the end of the season as well. So be good to have I you back for see, that. I, I, this time I had the, the luxury that I could go to bed reasonably early and That's um, good. didn't have like any important like things that I needed good. to super wake for exactly at 7 a.m. or something so that's fine good good sometimes Excellent. it's a little hard <laughs> especially it is hard. it is yeah um 
Yeah, and I, I would have uh, moved it to a more convenient time, like 2 a.m. Uh, Eastern, uh, which, you know, would have been 8 for you. But that might have been less convenient for others. So uh, anyway, we'll figure it out. Anyhow, thanks, everybody, um, for joining us. And uh, I will say, as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.